harmony and peace and the sun will once again rise up in the east. All right, all right, all right. Little Matthew McConaughey for you today. Welcome to Ink Pulp Audio. I'm sitting here with a fresh new soundboard. I don't even know if that's what the fuck these things are called. I'm such an amateur at this. Uh, but I, I got this... I, I'm just dumping money into this podcast that makes no money. But I enjoy it, and I'm getting something out of it, and it sounds like a lot of people are too. So uh, here I am with my new equipment. The The nice thing about this is, whereas I used to only be able to record two mics at once, now I can record eight. And I'm going away on a nice little uh, creative retreat next week. And I'm going to be recording a lot of podcasts with a lot of really interesting people. But I can also do a group podcast, which should prove pretty interesting. So I'm excited about that. This thing also means I don't have to carry a laptop around and I can record right into it. And I'm learning how sensitive the mics are as I look away from the mic and you hear the changes. Saying, what the fuck, Sean? Get it together. All right, so why, why did I start with Matthew McConaughey? I don't know. He's on, he's on my mind. I, uh, I saw True Detective. The first episode was just compelling, awesome, surreal, beautiful, poetic. What other pretentious terms can I use? I could probably dig deeper into some harder vocabulary, but maybe I just don't have those words. Uh, it was good. It was damn good. But also, um, it just got me thinking about Dazed and Confused, which always happens when I see him. Because it, it, it is one of my favorite films, and it's also very much like my childhood. It was... I was... Th- that took place in 76, so I, I would have only been four at the time. But my memories, I can remember back that far, and, and then my preteen years were in the later 70s, early 80s. But th- there's transitional periods. When you think of 80s, you think of, of, of a million zippers and lines shaved inside of people's heads and on their eyebrows. But uh, this is before then. It was more like dazed and confused. Like when you think of the 60s, you think of of the hippies, but it, the early 60s weren't like that. They were transition period from the conservative 50s. And so it it feels like my childhood, that movie. And that the innocence of that time was captured so well. Um, that it was, it was very much a carefree lifestyle. Sure, they were, the kids worried about getting hazed, but it was a uh, it was a pleasant time and a lot of fond memories. One memory, I remember going. Oh, oh! So I've got family now listening to this, which is odd. I think I've talked about my parents, but beyond them, now more family, and I'm sure when my kids grow up, they'll probably listen to this in horror at what I've done. But so I, I have a cousin. Uh, my cousin David listens to this, and he always emails me and keeps up with it. And my his dad, my uncle, always listens to it, and they always want to talk to me about it. And, and it's strange to me because I'm, I'm so revealing on this. 
And how the fuck can I be so revealing on such a foreign device to people I don't know and feel weird talking about that stuff in front of family? I don't know. But that's how it is. So he's been real supportive. But I remember visiting him as a kid, and, and he's, he was older than me. He's a few years older than me, a couple years, maybe a year, two years at most. And because he was older, he was also the cool... I never had an older brother, so he was like what a cool old, older brother would be like. So we went to visit them in Connecticut. And I was probably... Well, let's see. He was driving, so I was probably like 13 or 14. And I went up, and he invited me out with him and his girlfriend who he's now married to, to, to go out with him on like a Friday night, which, uh, I guess I was, I was a shy kid. I guess I'm still kind of shy and I was excited. And, uh, I think I, I, I wanted to say yes, but it was hard for me to say yes, but I said yes. And, and, uh, we went, but what, what, before that I had, we got to my aunt and uncle's and I was really hungry <laughs> And the first thing I like to do when I get up north is have a nice pastrami sandwich. And they happen to have pastrami waiting for me. Well, they had pastrami in the house. They didn't buy it because I was coming. They had it. And, and I'll get back to how I know this. So they heated it up like a warm pastrami on rye. I ate it. A few hours went by. And uh, I, I went out with my cousin... It went out with my cousin, and, and I can't remember whose car it was. It was either him or a buddy, but it was a Duster, one of those old 70s muscle cars, and I thought that was so fucking cool. I get to drive around in this Duster and go to a few high school, like, parties and and so on. And we get in the car, and we take off. I think we pick up his girlfriend, and we're with his buddy and him, and, and my stomach just starts feeling a little iffy. Being Jewish, I my my nerves go right to my stomach, so I didn't think it was anything big. It was just typical shy Sean anxiety. And as we hopped from one place to another, these little social gatherings that were very much like a little dazed and confused scene, in and out of this duster, my stomach got worse and worse, and my cousin, I think, could see that I was not doing well. I was too shy to say anything because I didn't want to be perceived as weak but I think he saw it he said are you okay I was like no uh, my stomach is killing me and he said all right we'll take you home and I and I was like no 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 it's okay I, I don't want to ruin the night I don't want to go home this is too cool this is a good 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 night for me and after a little while I was like no we gotta go I feel awful and uh we get back to the uh my aunt and uncles he drops me off he goes back out and uh, I proceed to go to the bathroom and yak about eight pastrami sandwiches worth of yak. Although I'd only eaten one. And as soon as it came up, I mean, it was hardcore, projectile, awful. But as soon as it came up, there was such relief. And, you know, my parents are like, what's going on? Are you okay? They think I'm out drinking and and I would have but I I didn't feel well. So uh, I come out and I was like uh, yeah 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 I threw up and uh, it was pastrami. So I don't know how old that pastrami was. 
but it was old enough to make me sick as fuck. But once I got it up, I was fine, and they threw away the pastrami. And that might have started my food poisoning phobia, which I have to this day. If, if, if I do not take a chance when I cook with shit we buy, if it feels like it's been there too long, I just toss it. I'm not fucking with it. People are risky as fuck with this. And I've had food poisoning enough to not want to go through it ever. So I will throw away cheese and meat and anything, anything that is close to expiration. It's gone. I don't fuck with it. So, yeah, just thinking about Days and Confused got me thinking about that. And uh, friends, I, I have a friend who contacted me recently, my buddy Mike, and he just started listening. Thanks for the support, Mike. Um, but he really enjoyed it and found it very helpful. And I think now he's going to listen to all of these. So I, 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 I've got a lot of friends and family listening now, which is cool and strange. Like someone like Mike, it's fine. He's another artist in the trenches. And my, my cousin David is an architect, so he does his thing too. But it's, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I just bought all this new equipment, just dumping money into this thing. I've, I'm just revealing everything about myself. I'm putting it all out there. Um, I started to doubt everything about a week ago. Like, what the fuck is the point of this? I know I have good conversations and people seem to enjoy it. I don't know how many people listen to this. It seems like a good amount, but I can't really tell because I've got all these counters telling me different shit. But I'm going to keep going. I, I do the same thing with my art. I uh, always am like, what the fuck am I doing? And, and you just got to get through that. That's that. If you listen to the war of art, that's that resistance speaking to you. And that, that you just got to tell that, that motherfucker to shut up. And, and punch him in the throat. Don't, don't try to hit him in the face. Don't go for a body shot. Just punch him in the throat. He'll go down and, and you don't got to worry about it. All right. So one more thing. I, I, I got a few things to talk about here. We're going to get into today's episode with Declan Shalvey very soon. And I'll talk more about Declan when we get there. It's a good one. So uh, you'll enjoy it. They all are, I think. I notice everything I hate about myself. And I'm not saying this to beat up on myself. I and mean, we all have aspects of ourselves that we hate and you may not realize it till you see it in someone else there's people who don't get along because there's too they're too much alike well when you have children they, they're going to be mini versions of you and your spouse and everything you hate about yourself you're going to see in them and that's going to frustrate you because you love these kids so much and then you see that little bit of you in there and you resent them and you, you're resentful because... And look, I'm being honest, all right? Not everything is peaches and cream with kids. I love my kids more than anything, but it's fucking hard. And you have mixed emotions. That's just real and that's just honest. So don't start thinking stupid shit about my parenting. But uh, you, you just... You, you resent it because you feel like this is a trait I'm trying to work on and get rid of. And then you see it in your kid... And then you're resentful because you did this to them. And it's hard. It's hard. I mean, 
my son does things that are exactly me at his age. When I was a kid, when I was a little kid, I was I was pretty quiet, funny for someone who went on to become a teacher and a public speaker in some ways and a podcast host. But yeah, I was quiet. I was shy. I was reserved. Um, I wasn't terribly confident in most things. And... I, I guess I was I was I was um emotional sensitive very sensitive that's a better way of putting it sensitive and I guess a mama's boy in a lot of ways well that's my son and I'm trying to teach him how to man up about some stuff where he just will kind of whine and get upset and it, it's hard because I'll I'll tell him to do something and I don't bend. I'm like, you got to go take a shower. And he'll try to work it because that's what children do. It's their job. And I, I just stand my ground. Like, no, you got to get in. I'm, I'm, that's it. No discussion. Whereas my wife, it, it's a little, little more flexibility going on. And sure, I'm being stubborn and I'm just enforcing my will upon them which is a, another tough thing about parenting. But so then he just goes in his room and cries. Well, I, I just feel wonderful after that. I don't yell. I don't scream. I don't get angry. I'm just stern and I hold my ground. And sure, he needs to learn through that that that's inappropriate to just go off and cry when you don't get your way. But as a parent, it just sucks to see them going through that. And then I, I get res like, I'm like, why can't you just deal with shit? But when I was his age, I, I, I was the same way. So I resent that. And that's a hard, hard truth about parenting. And, you know, my daughter's got her stuff too. But there's also a lot of positive things about them that they've inherited from me. But why would we talk about that? That wouldn't be very interesting. Why would I want to talk about something pleasant? That's just stupid. All right, today's episode, I uh, originally had a, another podcast slotted for this, but um, the person I was interviewing was Alan, who I've probably mentioned a few times, who's, I, I don't know what, what his title would be. Uh, I wouldn't call him a producer because I do pretty much sit here on my own and do this. But he does all the, the sound mixing and posting, and um, I guess in that aspect, he could be considered a producer. I don't know. Without him, this wouldn't exist. I know that. Um, or it would really be a lot harder. So he's part of this project. So we had recorded an episode, and I was going to release it today because I figured it was important for the audience to hear someone else who's behind this other than me. But when he was mixing it down, he felt like the interview wasn't great and he didn't really understand what I was going for. And I, I got to talk to Alan about this. I don't know. I'm not going for anything. I'm just trying to have a conversation. But I'm happy to re-record if he wasn't happy. I never, never, never want to put out something that makes someone feel uncomfortable. That is not what this is about. And I, I know I've said it before, but when I record this stuff, I'm looking for real honest truths and conversations and people are very revealing and I need to make sure that they're okay with this going out there. So 
whatever. So I originally recorded this nice story that I really want to get out because I, I haven't told stories in a while. I told a few a little ones here and there, but I haven't told a, a really good one in a while. And I've got a lot of good ones and I need to get back to that. And this fit his episode well. And I don't know if it fits Declan's too well, but it's interesting. So let's go. 1994. I was 21 and about to graduate college with a degree in illustration and a minor in film and a minor in photography. I knew I wanted to go do comic books. I didn't know the first thing about going and doing comic books. I honestly knew nothing about the medium other than that. I enjoyed reading them. And I had had one professor my entire time at, at my undergrad school that knew anything about comics, who's went on to become a very big creator in the industry, Jose Villarubia. Uh, and he helped and he showed me, but I still had a lot to learn. So, like I said before, my college years were really fun. I partied quite a bit. I was in a fraternity, and I had fun. So fuck you. Judgment, motherfucker. Judgmental, motherfucker. So graduation's coming up. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know I'm going into the real world. And my buddy from Jersey comes up with an idea. His parents just bought a New Jersey a shore house. So they had two houses next to each other. And this one was vacant for the summer. So why don't we, my buddy, Chris, and my other buddy, Tom, and me, get a beach house for the summer? Well, fuck yeah, dude. Before I go into the real world, let's continue the party. That's great. I knew I'd have to get a job. It was, it, it was a pretty uh, expensive rent and I, uh, graduation money floated me for a bit. It, you know, looking in hindsight, if I could give advice to anyone, no, no I, I don't regret it. No, but try to save money. I I just spent money. I had fun. I don't regret it. So I decided when I got there, yeah, I need a job. But I'm fresh out of college with a degree in art, and I want to draw for a living. So let me try and make this happen. So. I decided to call a bunch of local screen printers. You know, at the beach, there's a ton of screen printers because all the all the local establishments, all the tourist attractions, they all have their own little T-shirts. And all the little beach events have T-shirts and screen printers do well there. So I, I, I went around to the screen printers I could find with my little portfolio from college in hand trying to dig up some work. And, uh, I, you know, my work was mediocre, and I, I didn't know the first thing about being professional. And this is when um, computers were just starting to come into play in the art world, and I knew nothing about them. So I went to a few places, and they are like, yeah, if we have anything, we'll call, but nothing, nothing, nothing. And I go to one place. And I walk in, and I, I'm not going to say any names here, because basically this is the summer I worked for the mob. And I got to be careful about what I say. And this is, this is real and this is honest. I'm not making this shit up. So I walk into this one place and uh, the guy comes out to talk to me. He's uh, 
fit looking guy, muscular, bald with a thick mustache, Italian guy with a very Italian last name. Uh, his nickname was just a shortened version of his last name. Um, I'm just going to call him Italian mob guy. Why not? I'm listening to Artie Lang's book and that's what he calls everyone, what they are. So, um, he had one character as tourist attraction whore. I think that's what it was. Anyways, so Italian mob guy, or, or maybe we should just call it mob guy because do you need to put Italian before mob? That's just redundant. So don't do that. So this guy comes out. I don't, I don't initially think mob guy because he's, he doesn't, he's not the stereotype. He's not in a suit. He's not heavy in a fat way. He's a fit, healthy-looking guy. So, you know, I go in. I notice that all the guys working in the shop look like these headbanger dudes. And then this guy. So I I really didn't know what to make, but it felt felt more like a, a place I belonged than anywhere else. So he sits down, he looks at my work, and, and he says to me, you know, I don't really have anything for you, but I like your hustle, so I'm going to find something for you. So give me your number. I'll, I'll have work for you. I don't have anything today, but I'll have work for you. So I get home, and like that, later that day he calls. He's like, look, I got a job that came in for you to draw if you want it, and I could also use some help packing up shirts. So great, I'm on my way right away. It's not a ton of work, but I'm doing these little odd jobs. I'm drawing for him and uh, packing shirts. And he's paying me pretty well in cash only, which was nice. And after a few weeks of that and him getting to know me, and I got to know the headbanger dudes. They were like in a metal band. They were trying to get off the ground, and this is the Jersey Shore. So, you know, that's to be expected. Musicians flock to that area. Because you've got famous acts from that area. I mean, I was near Asbury Park. So I didn't live in Asbury Park, thank God. That place was a hole. But um, I lived in Brielle, which was very, very nice. Near Point Pleasant, which is also nice. And so I got, I got to know these headbanger dudes, and they gave me their little EP cassette, which Mob Guy had funded the recording session of, and it was good. I mean, these guys, I, I don't know what happened to them, to them. I don't remember their names, but they were good and they had promise. They, they were a solid metal act. So, you know, I had fun going there and it, being in the summer, being fresh out of college, I was just always stoned. And these headbanger guys probably were too. And then after a few weeks, I get a call. It's a mob guy. And he's like, hey, uh, what are you doing tonight? It's a Friday night. And other than my usual of getting stoned off my ass and going out to the local tourist club bars and getting smashed, I really had no plans. So, But I really wanted to do that. I mean, that's what living at the beach was for. So he, uh, uh, I'm like, oh, I don't know, just the usual. He's like, look, I got, I got some work for you if you need it. If if you want it, I was like, all right, yeah. I mean, I could I could make. I wasn't making that much money. I definitely wasn't making enough to live on. So I was like, yeah. He's like, it'll be a healthy amount of money. I can't tell you how much because it's it, it it's hard to say. And I was like, all right. I don't quite understand what that means. I was like, all right, all right, okay. 
He's like, you ever drove a limo before? And being young and arrogant and stupid, I said, yeah, sure, sure, I can do that. I don't know if I said no, but I can, or I just said, sure, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing. So I was like, all right, great. You got a buddy who wants to do it too? And my friend was sitting on the couch, and he said, yeah, sure, why not, you know. All right, here's what I need you to do. I need you and your buddy to meet me at the athletic club, which was a beautiful athletic club a little away from the shore. Around this time, I need you're going to drive the limo tonight. For me, me and some friends are going to go around bar hopping. I was like, oh, oh okay, that's easy. I mean, that's responsible. You're not going to drink and drive. So we meet them there, and... There's all the guys are there with their wives, and there's two limos, and uh, you know we get in, and me and my buddy are kind of off the side, like this is just like a car, right? There's no difference, right? It's just like a big car, so just be real careful. And he gave me a few tips, like just make sure you take the turns really wide, and uh, that was about it. So everyone hops in the limos. I got mob guy in my car with his wife and another buddy and their wife, and we drive around for about forty five minutes. Dropping each wife off. All right, so this is a guy's night out, I think. Great, great. This is going to be fun. You know, the, the, they were they were fun. They were loud. They were my kind of people. I like New Yorkers. I like North Jersey people. They're like my family, who's all from New York. They're loud. They say what's on their mind. They're honest. They bust balls. And, and I like those kind of people. I, I feel like... Those people I can trust because they speak what's on their mind. There's nothing hidden, and I like that. So after we drop off the wives, I'm like, all right, we're going to the clubs. And like, no, we got some more stops to make. And we start to pick up their girlfriends. And at this point, I'm like, this is interesting. These are all young, attractive girls. They're gumars, for lack of a better word. That's exactly what they were. Um, so we pick up all the girls and then he says, all right, we're going to this club first. I, I know where all the clubs are cause I live there and, and did my share of, of partying. So we go there and, uh, you know, these places are packed and there's nowhere to park and there's lines to get in. So as we're getting close, he's like, no, 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 no. Pull up around back. So I pull up around back where there's another entrance with a guy in front of the door and a mob guy pops his head out, and they know him very well, very familiar with him. And uh, he opens the door for all the guys that are in the cars and their girlfriends to go right in, no line. They go in, and he just tells me to, to park over very close in an area that's blocked off just for the club. So nobody else could park there except for people who worked at the club or friends of the club. So me and my buddy park, and we're like, all right, we're going to be here for a little bit. They're inside drinking. He hops in my limo. We just fire up a joint, and we're just shooting the shit, kind of wondering what the f- what, what this is. This is cool. They, they had promised me when they picked me up, you guys are going to do well tonight. Don't worry about the money. You're going to do well. And I trusted him, you know. I think we were talking about how much you think we're going to make. I remember thinking, like, I think one or two hundred. Like, 100 would be awesome. Two is greedy, but wow, that, that could happen. Uh, so we continue to do this from the night, from club to club, bar to bar. 
Everywhere we went, VIP entrance, special parking, and me and my buddy blazed a joint in the car while waiting. So after about the third bar, we are stoned off our ass. And uh, the paranoia is certainly creeping in as I'm driving them around like, would they be pissed if they knew I did this? These look like some tough guys. I mean, I guess the idea they got us to drive them around was they wanted a sober driver. And they don't have that right now. Although I do think driving high is not, not, not that big a deal. You're very careful. Probably too careful. Because you're going like 15 miles an hour, but you feel like you're flying the Millennium Falcon through space at hyperdrive. But uh, that's a little nerd joke. I probably just squashed the joke by telling you it was a nerd joke because I didn't feel confident that it was funny. That's one thing I got to learn on this podcast is I just got to be confident. I can be funny. I'm a funny person, and I got to find the funny. So anyways, we're, we're stoned at this point, very stoned, and driving these guys around. But they're also getting pretty lit at this point, so I'm feeling comfortable. And the whole time I'm driving, they're busting my balls and, and talking to me. And we're, we're, I mean, in a good way, busting my balls. And the girls are all really friendly and... And uh, it was a good time. And so we're driving them around. And then the night comes to an end. And he's like, drop all of us off. Drop the girlfriends off. Then we drop all the guys off. And he says, just drop the limos here. I'll get the keys from you tomorrow. Back, drop the limos back at the uh, athletic club. Get your car and go home. I'll get the keys from you tomorrow. So we do that. As each one of these guys gets out of the car, they... Uh, I, you know, I opened the door for them and they hand me a wad of cash. And me and my buddy had decided we just split whatever the take was that night. So then we get out and then mob guy is the last one, obviously. And he gives me a large wad of cash. And we go back and we drop the cars off and we count up the money. And it was an obscene amount of money. Obscene amount. It was what well, we each cleared 375 that night in cash for probably about three hours worth of work. And we, we were like, what the, I guess he just owns these limos to do that with. Wow. He must do well. That's what I thought. Uh, next week I get another phone call. Same thing. All right. The money was fucking great. If I do this once a week, I'm doing well. We go to get the limos, but 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 they're different limos. They're not the same two limos. They're different. And so we did it again. And each time I go, you know, the, the guys at the VIP entrances are seeing me and my buddy driving these limos. So they're getting to know our faces a little bit. And, it, and we know the drill. So it goes smoother and smoother. And we're just making every time the cash is different. Sometimes it's a little more, sometimes a little less, but it's always a lot. And we do really well. And we have a good time. And I was like, this is not a bad way to, to spend the summer. But but why are these different limos? There's something going on here. And I don't know if at this point I was like, you know, I, I'm a fan of mob films and mob, mob stories. And I like to romanticize the shit. And I'll be honest with you. I've got an, a few mob stories. But when you get around these people, for real, it's not cool. And it's fucking scary. These guys were a little different. They were fun to be around, and they were not scary. They were down at the Jersey Shore. So 
I get the feeling these weren't high ranking guys, but lower ranking guys. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing on that, but uh, all right, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, you know, I keep doing this. Um, and then one Sunday at, at the Jersey Shore, Sunday is turnover day. The tourists come down on a Sunday and leave on a Sunday. So during the day on Sunday, everyone's either checking in or checking out. No one's out partying. So Sunday is locals day at the bars. Like the minute you get up, you start drinking, you go out for brunch, you have some mimosas or some Bloody Marys and you keep going. And those are the best days at the beach. No tourists, all locals. So I get a call on Saturday from Mob Guy. And he says, hey, what are you and your buddy doing tomorrow? I'm like, just the usual. He's like, I want, he, I want you to come with me. I was like, all right. He tells me which bar to meet him at, which was a really nice bar and a really expensive one. Uh, you know, we, I don't think we had gone there but once. Because we really couldn't afford it. I mean, we were looking for fucking dollar beers and fucking cheap buffalo wings. So we get there. He's already there with a bunch of people. Headbanger guys are there. And uh, and, and he sees me walk in. And just like fucking Sonny in goddamn Bronx Tale, he's at the bar. A crowd of people around him. He sees me and waves me over. Gives me a big hug. Introduces me to all the fucking bartenders. And he's like, this is Sean. He's with me. He's my guy. And he, everywhere, so we spend the day just getting smashed with him. And everywhere we go, it's the same thing. And we don't pay for a fucking thing. He tips all the bartenders well, but we don't pay for a guy. Everywhere we go, it's, it's you know, no, 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 mob guy. We got it. And uh, as I'm getting buzzed, I'm looking at my buddy like, this feels like a fucking mob movie, dude. He's like, yeah, and then we start putting the little pieces together, like the two li- the limos. They're always different. Every time they're different. Like, what the fuck? This is kind of strange, but I'm being treated so well, and and I remember like kind of feeling out the headbanger guys, like, what's the story of mob guy? They're like, oh, he's just doing his thing, you know, and uh, I I remember like at the shop one day, kind of being brave enough to ask. I was like, is it? Is, is he connected? And he was like, you know, we don't ask, but it's pretty obvious. I was like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, I guess this is something we shouldn't talk about further. So the day goes on. Everyone meets me. I have a blast. I get smashed. I don't spend a fucking dime. Um, and then I notice the next week when we go out on a Friday night without Mob Guy, I get the same fucking treatment. I am no longer paying for drinks. For the rest of the summer, I didn't pay for a fucking drink anywhere I went because I was mob mob guy's guy. And uh, he took me out a few Sundays like that, and and we did the the limos like that. And I remember one time he called, and he was like, uh, "Hey, I I got another uh, a limo tonight. Just just one though. I don't need your buddy." And this was when my my girlfriend, my now wife Steph, had had come to the Jersey Shore to visit me. We had been broken up and we're just slowly rebuilding our relationship. And she came up to visit like for the first time. I was like, dude, my girl's here. I don't want to, I don't want to leave her. He's like, Sean, I need you to do this. All right. And, uh, just bring her. And I was like, uh, okay. You know, I'm not going to fucking get into, I'm not going to stand my ground with this. 
I'll make some money. It'll be fun. And I, I turned to Steph. I'm like, look, I, I got to do this. She's like, what do you mean you have to do this? It's like, I got I to gotta do it. I got to do it. And I didn't want to tell her I thought this guy was connected mob guy because she would probably be pretty nervous. So I just say, look, we just sit in the limo and we smoke joints and we'll hang out. That's all we're going to do anyway. That's all we we're going to sit here. She didn't like going to bars and we were just going to sit around and chill. So she was like, that really doesn't sound fun. I was like, these guys are fun too. So we went. And she claims to not re- that this didn't happen, that she was, but she did. Because I remember all the guys met her and they liked her. And after she left, they told me she was hot and it was good. So we do that. I make a ton of cash. And uh, I think after the night was over, I was like, I think that guy's connected. And Steph was like, Sean, you're fucking insane. What are you talking about? And I told her all the stuff. I was like, it's always a different limo. I was like, did you know? Did you notice that everywhere we went, there's a VIP entrance? I was like, I haven't paid for a drink since this guy took me out. The whole summer. She's and uh, Steph was like, I, I don't know. You think I was like, we're in Jersey. It's not. It's not like it doesn't exist. I was like, everywhere this go- we go, this guy is treated like fucking royalty. He owns a screen printing shop. Explain that to me. She's like, I don't know. Maybe you're right. So I did this for a summer, and and I made a lot of money. And there were a few times where I was told I had to do things that I didn't question. I just did, whether it be driving the limo or going somewhere with him. But I was always paid very well, and I was always really taken care of. So in that sense, it was a pleasant mob story. I got to kind of come in and do some uh, nothing I did was really on on the on the uh iffy side uh, other than driving high I don't know maybe these limo I I came to the conclusion and to the impression that this guy I don't know if he stole the limos but he flipped them because he had a garage, and I knew we always... Sometimes we had to drop the limos off at a garage. And I think we he would... Or he'd pick them up at the garage. He would get these stolen limos, and he'd take them in the garage, and he'd chop them up and, and put them back so they were different. So I realized our job was not just to take them around so they had a, a sober driver. That had nothing to do with it. Our job was to make sure these limos ran smoothly before they were sold or given to higher level mob guys. So that's one of my mob stories. I've got others. But I I, th- I love that story and I love that experience because I got to be on the fringe of it and experience many benefits of it without ever having to see any of the violence, any of the downside of it. I don't know what happened to mob guy. I, I look him up on the internet every now and then. I remember the name of his t-shirt shop. And I can never find anything. So I I don't know what happened to Mob Guy. But he was a good dude to me. And I owe him for my my first art job. All right, we're going to get into it with Declan Shalvey right now. I'm sure you all know who Declan is. If you don't, Declan's uh, one of the uh, cartoonists of my generation. We all kind of came in and came up together. Declan's a very talented guy. He's also one of the nicest, most unassuming individuals I've met in comics. 
And he's one hell of a motherfucking charmer. And he's Irish. And I mean not Irish-American. He lives in Ireland. And he has one beautiful accent. So try not to be too charmed by his accent when listening to it because you can get lost in it. It's quite exquisite. And then you've got me, Nasal Boy, on the other end. So enjoy Ink Pulp Audio. again quickly this is another official ink pulp apology no it's not fuck you um you'll notice in this interview with Declan there's a point where we took a break probably a restroom break or a refill our drink break and when we came back on somehow I had turned my mic off you can hear me through his mic I just might sound a little distant so forgive the audible issues I think you can hear it fine though but that's what happened and and this is podcasting and in this medium I believe it's about keeping it raw and keeping it real. I have a lot of people when I'm done interviewing, they're like, well, we'll just edit that part out. And, and I won't edit. I don't believe in it for this. Th- this is about authenticity. And once you start editing, you're messing with the authenticity of it. So it's fine. It just might not sound as good as, as everything else. So thanks for your patience, and I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome to Ink Pulp Audio. I'm sitting here with Declan Shalvey. Am I pronouncing that yeah. right? And um, we're going to get busy. Hello, Declan. Hello. Makes it sound like we're going to have sex, which we are. Exactly. <laughs> you're you're going to be seduced by his voice. I'll be seduced by everything else. Um, so, Declan, let's start early in life. You're from Ireland. Yep. The old Emerald Isle, as everybody insists on calling it. Um, yeah, um, I grew up in a, in County Clare, which is um, it's on the west coast of the country. Um, pretty quiet, pretty not nothing crazy, pretty regular childhood. Um, yeah, it's it's nothing really of, of consequence, you know. Whenever you're, you say you're from Ireland, like some people kind of like ask about the north and whatnot. And but I grew up pretty much like didn't really I knew of stuff happening, but you're talking about the terrorism, the little old terrorism that was going on there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, like most people I knew for most of my life, I knew from the south. But um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was just pretty normal, boring childhood. Were you always drawing as a kid? Always, yeah. Um, 
My mom told me she caught me drawing Humpty Dumpty on the on a bedroom wall when I was like four, and she was gonna like you know, well I don't think she was gonna beat me, but well, maybe. Um, but uh, she said one thing that stopped her from giving out to me was she actually saw it was kind of good. It was and good. She told me she used to um, like she'd be like she had me could you know color in coloring books and I was always always interested in, in drawing from like very very like from the very beginning. So did you learn early on that drawing could get you out of trouble? Um, I I was never ever I was never in trouble You're in a my good life. Kid? I was absolutely well behaved. Um, the only story my mum tells me about me misbehaving is when I was a, a baby and I was crying in a supermarket, uh-huh. and um, uh, I just wouldn't stop crying. Or no, I was moaning about not being able to get some sweets or something. And uh, and she she said she grabbed me. And she said, "If you don't stop crying now, I'll fucking give you something to cry about." <laughs> <laughs> and I shut up. Um, but yeah, I've, I, I'm I'm so boring. Uh, I was always well behaved. It's strange. I, like I always did what my teacher said. I always did what my my mother said. Um, I, I didn't misbehave. I get that. As a little kid, I was that way. I got pretty rambunctious as a teenager. But the, yeah, there was always something in me that that didn't want to stir the waters. Just yeah, I just <laughs> what are the rules? I'll follow them. Um, it, I, I mean, I think it is. It's very much Irish upbringing. Like um, uh, there's kind of. I don't know. There's a, there's a cowboy mentality to some to to the Irish in some degree, but I, in my own in my own upbringing. Wait, I mean, explain explain what you mean by that. Um, I don't know. Like every walk, in every kind of aspect of life, you'd be looking for a deal. You know, uh-huh. or oh, okay, okay. There's, there's that kind of it's kind like of the a town. Yeah, there's like a small town mentality. Like I used to, I used to deliver coal with my uh, stepdad, and you know, he'd be he'd sell it like I'm trying to remember. I think it was like twelve euro for a bag of uh, a bag of uh, yeah of coal. Smokeless was a bit more, but you know, he'd be buying a couple of bags, and somebody was, they'd be trying to get a deal. You know, every time, and then my stepdad'd be like, "Look, if you buy a ton, I'll do a deal. Like I'll, I'll mark down the price, but like I'm not gonna." You know, I'm not going to knock a euro off if you buy two bags. Um, right, right. Every, a lot of people would often be trying to, like, get... So it's a little I'm terrible at that, though. I'm actually... I, I can't. If you tell me what the price is, okay. Yeah, I'm not a haggler. I, I make fun of no, staff a lot. She, she'll haggle. Oh, and you should, like... Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. You should. I'm terrible. I, I can't... I don't I don't know if it's I don't have the confidence or, or what. I just I just cannot... Does that really come do. into play at a con when, when people are buying artwork? Yeah, um... I remember actually one of the first show, one of the very early shows I did. I think I just did when I'd done Twenty Days Later. I had two pages. I was really happy with out of the first issue, and they were the only ones actually sold for me, which is pretty expensive. I mean, and still not expensive, but like for me, it was expensive. And I remember a guy asked he wanted to buy them both, and I told him the price for both, and he said, "Well, since I'm buying two, could like maybe." Knock it down a bit. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, well, fair, fair enough. To my head, that was fair. Right. And then I think after that's I, fair. Uh, after I sold them, though, I realized I basically sold two pages that I really liked cheap. You, uh, you know? Oh, okay, yeah, you know, yeah. After, after that, that's, so I wouldn't really... That was them wheeling and dealing uh, me. And then from now on, I just kind of like to make sure I know what price I like to sell. Yeah, so that's right. Not, not that I sell much anyway, but... Um, uh, yeah, I remember just kind of like going, I, that, no, I, I'm not happy with that situation. So were you one of the few kids who didn't have that... that that gene to haggle and shuck and yeah I mean I guess I was always thinking about it like I was always very I was always very I was very quiet when I was young very quiet um, I would just be drawing away myself at the back of my school copy right. and I would like you know do what I'm told always have my homework I was a teacher's pet absolutely like you know um, 
All right, so we're going to have to figure out why the hell you got into comics at some point, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get sure, there. Sure, sure. Uh, what was the household like? Was was he was your dad and your mom together? No, um, my dad left when I was f- uh, four or five. He left to get a job in America and uh, never came back. <laughs> he just left. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. How did that affect you? Uh, <laughs> Here come the emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Drink them down. Uh, yeah. No, um, yeah, it, it, I'll, I'll be honest. It, it, it did mess me up for a long time. Um, I, I'd imagine it would. That's, yeah, it, I can't it, imagine. I mean, honestly, my kids, when they have bad dreams, mm-hmm. that's what it's about. Oh, really? Yeah. It's more likely that Zoe will wake up. Like, I, ha- I couldn't sleep. I had a bad dream. You and mommy were getting divorced. And I, I don't know why she thinks this. I think because she has friends she's seen go through divorce. Mm-hmm. And that's her greatest fear. You no, know, um, I was at a went to this creative conference once, and Dave McKean was talking um, yeah. about doing children's books, and he said that um, he did a, a book, and he thought the things that would scare a kid uh, would, and, and what wouldn't scare a kid were the total opposite. Like he'd come right. up with this really, really, really creepy monster, very creepy, and he was worried it'd be too scary for kids. It didn't bother them all, but there's one scene where the kids were like locked in a cupboard. And that terrified them. Yep. It's really, it's really strange. The fantasy was not scared to them, but right. the real. The imagination. I, and I remember being a kid when, when my my mom and um, her uh, my stepdad w- would fight. I remember being really, really scared because I thought, what if they break up? Where will we live? And right. things like that. And you had already been through it once. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I guess so. But um, I think those kind of realistic fears are very terrifying for children because we don't, you just don't know how the world works. Yeah, I know. That's exactly it. Mm. So, uh, st- so your dad. Just left, mm-hmm. and how long was it till you had a stepdad? Um, I guess it was a couple of years. I'm trying to remember, it would have been it would have been a couple of years. Um, did you re- did, were you drawing a lot before your dad left? I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, as far as I can ever remember drawing, or sorry, uh, living, uh, I was always drawing. I'm pretty sure I was drawing before he left. When he left, did you spend more time drawing? I like. I'm curious if you escaped into yourself to avoid. <laughs> I guess we just solved that problem. No, no, no. That's that's a very that's a very uh, interesting idea. It's it's possible. I don't really recall doing that. I just never like. Uh, in Ireland, there's a huge culture around sports uh, hurling, which is like one of the the the, um, the national games, football, or there's English football, or there's rugby, and the, the you know. Like even the other day, I was I was getting a taxi, and the guy said, "Oh, did you catch the match last night?" And like I, I have no interest. Yeah, uh, you're I like ju- me. I just, I just think I just think it's all completely arbitrary and pointless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's fine to be interesting, but I find that it's generally it's generally accepted that that is okay. That kind of like yeah. obsess- obsessive uh, fandom is totally fine. But yeah, if I like if States. I like comics, there's something wrong yeah. with me. You know, that's the that, same way. I got here. a lot of that when I was a kid because I was, I was the only. Very, very few uh, kids I knew I knew were were into comics at all. Um, Do you, how young were you when you got exposed to comics? Do you remember? Um, I remember being thirteen when I found American comics. Okay, but I was always kind of drawing cartoons uh-huh. off off t- TV. I was kind of drawing my own comics before I like I read. I remember reading like uh, stuff like Ducktales, uh, like Disney, uh-huh. you know, Disney right. the comics, and Asterix. 
Asterix was great because right. I remember there was a library there near my school and I can go and I'd, I'd take out Asterix and I, I, I loved Asterix. Uh, never really, like some of the European stuff like Tintin and things like that. Did you have friends in the comics or was this no. solely an interest of yours? I was me. It was just me. When I was when I went to secondary school, which is kind of like high school for you, I met one guy. Yeah, one guy who who liked comics, and we talked a lot about it. Uh-huh. Um, and then I changed schools three years later for art to get a better art art education. And there was, I think, other two two guys I met there, two three guys. Okay, were into it, so it was pretty much just. Do you remember how you discovered comics? Um. I, I remember. I remember it was like I think the Batman cartoon, like really the Batman cartoon and the X Men cartoon. So I was like thirteen, fourteen with those. And that came made out. you look for books. It, yeah, I think I got into those stories so much that uh, yeah, I looked for, I looked for where the source came from. And I remember, um, I remember the first issue of X Men I managed to find. Uh-huh. I was like, is that from America? You know, and <laughs> you'd look through it and all the ads for for America and the copyright and the ads, like the postal addresses so, were insane. They had like all these numbers after. And that was exciting to you. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. It was totally foreign, like incredibly foreign. I, I'd never left the country. I just, you know, grew up in that small town. Not to keep bringing it back, but mm-hmm. do you think your dad played a role in that? Because that's where he went. Um, maybe. Or it was just foreign, maybe. exotic, and exciting. I, I think. Well, maybe. I mean, you could be right. I, I certainly don't. Uh, that didn't really play into it um, to, to me he was just gone you know right. and it was I didn't know where he was what he was doing um, I had some contact with my fa- we had very little contact with uh, my family on his side so they were in uh-huh. another part of Ireland so I don't really know them that well I've since gone to know them and they're, they're very nice but um, have you have you gotten to have you spoken to your dad since yeah, then yeah I tracked him down uh, three years ago no before then about four years ago uh, we, I got in contact with uh, well, actually sorry before that I found out that he was alive first of all I think when uh-huh. I was 21 I found out that he was like he was around and he had another he had another child um, which was that was really I knew I was going to get into this <laughs> um, that, that was kind of crazy to me because in my mind all my life he'd been dead and oh, that was yeah. a story especially for my sister too if anybody asked I'd just say he left and that was it that's all I knew once the there was updates to the story that was a lot more it's, it's like it happened over and over again you know because there's all this new sure. information you had to deal with so sure. but I think we, I was coming over to New York Comic Con one year and since I was coming over um, myself and my sister arranged to meet him after the show uh, he was going to come he's going to come down to New York And how long ago you said this was three years ago I, I think this is when I first met you I vaguely I'd only had met you yet um, I had did you know Sean I think I just met Sean. Maybe okay. I think it might actually it might have been the New York Comic Con. I met him. Oh, okay, okay. I would say so. Yeah. All right. Um, so did you call him before the show? Yeah, I got in contact with my aunt, who had been in contact with him, um, and she put out the feelers to see if he would me- if he would meet us if we came over. Were you angry? Yeah, uh, I, I've yeah definitely like. Um, so your aunt put the feelers out. She did, yeah. And he was receptive? Yeah, he was receptive, which was nice. But then I remember I remember the weird thing is she told me where he lived and I googled it and uh the name, you know, the uh, Google Google Maps and you know there's the address. Yeah. And I was really messed up because I was like, "Ah, oh, that's where he is." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my whole life is like, "Oh, I wonder where he is." And, yeah, like, and oh, there it is right there. There, right there. Um I remember he emailed me just beforehand saying just basically saying like uh 
he, he was looking forward to meeting me. And I remember I actually, f- I got, I, I'm not a very, I wouldn't get angry uh, in general at all, but uh, I remember I actually getting angry because to me that was, that's the one, like, after all these years, like, that's the one thing you're, you'll say, you know. I wanted right. to wait till, till I saw him to say anything to him. And I did, I didn't reply to the email. But um, uh, it's, it's it, it, in a way I kind of feel bad for him because whatever he did, everything he did was going to be wrong. Right, you know, whatever right. he said, whatever he said, whatever he did, there's no right way to do it. Like he'd already, you know, no, yeah, it's a thing. yeah, it's a pretty, pretty harsh thing to do. Um, which, um, and then I'd get really angry at myself for like going, well, in fairness, you know, he must be having You're a hard time. Was, you know, yeah. like fuck him. Like, you know, so you know, I think it's like, like I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not religious, but I was raised in a Catholic school and mm-hmm. there's like there's a, there's a Roman Catholic culture definitely so I find like all this kind of like you know Catholic guilt sure it doesn't apply I mean because I'm not Catholic but there's right. it's a very it's much in a culture your DNA. Of, yeah like if you're doing well you should feel bad you know um, if uh, if you are sorry I lost my train of thought there um, yeah if you're doing well you should feel bad if something good happens you should feel bad no matter what there's always yeah, some kind I'm of like I'm in tune with that being Jewish we have guilt yeah, like like the Catholics, it's it's a it's a little different, but it's it's, it's uh, Jewish guilt is passive aggressive. I think Irish guilt is aggressive. Um, it's but it's more inward, like it's more um, yes. self sabotaging yes. than anything else. Yeah. Like um, when I I met Jeff Parker at Heroes a few years ago, and and he showed my stuff to Marvel, but when he was offering to show it. I was trying to talk him out of it, like because I, I felt bad. Like he said, "Do you want me to show you, send your stuff to Marvel?" Like I, you know, because send it to my editor, and I was like, "I ah, know, no, no I, I don't want to be a bother." Like, right. which is stupid. Like because, but to us, we all think Americans are 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 rude, ignorant, up themselves, always, you know. Uh, right. But from spending some time in America, I can like totally see that it's actually. Us, we're we're repressed. We you know don't we don't we we're not really kind of like told you should you know stick your head up from the crowd. You know, like I would be made fun of because I was the oh, only person right, doing right. In, in Don't school. stand out. Yeah, absolutely. Be, a, you know. be one of the sheep. Yeah, and very much so. You know, I, I think it probably comes again from that kind of Catholic uh, right uh, teaching. But um, uh, so you know, we go to these things, and very much you have to promote yourself. Right. But we're right. incredibly uncomfortable with doing it. You know, like yeah. I, at this stage of my my life and career, I know that I'm good. I know that I'm very good at drawing some things and I, I, I have a good eye for stuff and I, I, I believe in my ability. But at the same time, even saying that sentence, the back, I'm, I'm cringing saying it. Yeah. no, I, <laughs> you know, I, have, I can't confidently say how great I am because I can't. I'm just programmed I, not I can't to either. Think that. I'm the same exact way. I think just recently I, said, I, I got home from the studio and I was like, I did an awesome job today. I remember saying that stuff. She was like, Sean? Like, <laughs> but I, I do think I've you, you, it's hard to I mean some people have a real false confidence and you look at them and you're like you, you really shouldn't have that hmm. but I feel like with me it was always I was always learning and getting better and I saw progress and hmm. I, I could I could see that I didn't suck but I also could see boy you've got a ways to go Yeah, and I think you and I have recently kind of found ourselves and we're getting comfortable in that and, uh, and feeling confident in the work. It's a friend of mine, uh, uh, Stephen Mooney. Uh, he's another Irish artist, and um, he. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, funny. He said, like, with withdrawing, he's not confident, but everything else in his life, he's completely <laughs> right. confident. Whereas I'm the opposite. I actually am confident about my drawing, but everything else, I'm not. Like, I'll be fairly awkward. I, uh, 
So, like, I mean, I, I can switch on a bit of charm, I guess, if I have to, but it's just masking, like, you know, a lot of awkwardness. Oh, really? Because um, oh, you're, yeah. you're very charming and easy to talk to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm fairly affable, you know, and I you know joke around, but there's some situations I get really awkward. Yeah, I get you that. You know, it's, it's, I'm trying to think, it happened today, when did it happen? I got really awkward. I, that, that panel, I guess. Oh, and, oh. Uh, how was the, uh, what about the panel we did, the, the breaking into You know, comics? that was a little awkward, probably because there was some, you know, there's a Marvel presence there. Right. And, you know, Marvel's their thing, and You're I draw for them. You're afraid to speak freely in front of them. Well, I, you know, I didn't say anything, but yeah, you know what, I wouldn't not say anything, but I mean, I guess the back of my mind, I'm worried, you know, would, if I said something, would they not appreciate it? But it's, I mean, I still, still say it, um... But because I I, feel, I think I know what I'm talking about when right. I'm talking about breaking in. I find right, and I find when you know what you're talking about, you speak with conviction yeah, and clarity. That's, that's fine. I, um, I mean, you and me would. I think we could probably do that panel for two hours on our own. Yeah, yeah. I, I I honestly feel like we just touched how mm. deep that could have gone. Oh yeah, no, that could have gone way, 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 way longer. And, and the thing is, because as well, I try help other guys who are good. You know, like I, I talked to one letterer today who's good, and he was looking for work, and another letterer who's trying to do less work, and you know, introduced them, and I introduced somebody to to, to Boom who's looking for work. I would like seeing good people do stuff. So there's, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's interesting. You know, it's, we, it's, yeah, we all have to do that. We have to pay it forward. Mm. People helped us. We got to help. Our, our industry needs that. Yeah, I wouldn't be where I am today without a lot of, like, and the thing is, I can't say one, well, maybe Jeff introducing my, my stuff to Marvel, but there's an awful lot of people who helped in very, very small ways that right. got me where I, I was. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, we all help each other in so many ways. Like, like I'm sure we could trace the lineage of you landing on Deadpool to the fact that you and Rick have worked together, Rick is good friends with Jerry and Brian, Jordan... Have you worked with Jordan before? I haven't, no. Okay. And that I I don't know. I just I, I feel like it's it's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. I think you'll be great on the book, but I, I think there's some, you know, people just looking out. I, I always know when when there's something opening up at Marvel and an editor is looking for someone, they might be talking to a creator and saying, yeah, and I remember um one writer friend of mine, he uh, uh he was getting out like and he was a fairly big name and I was nobody. Um, and he was asking to work with me, and I was bowled over. I couldn't believe it. Um, but uh, like he kind of made the point. Well, uh, you know, as a writer, I want somebody good to do my stuff to make me look better. And I was like, oh yeah, I'd never even thought of it that way. You know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. It's nice for someone to have confidence in what you're doing. But like, I found that I'd say like three, four, whatever years ago, when I was on Twitter, and I didn't really know anybody else. I didn't know that many. I knew some people, and they were on Twitter, and I, and I got to know more and more. But it's I got to talking to other artists who have the same tastes as me like you know somebody have a conversation with Safino or right. you know somebody like talking about Goran Parlov and like I found it very hard to find those conversations elsewhere. that's how I met you on Twitter you had I think it was early on when everyone was really religious about the file of Fridays yeah and you tweeted and I, we had never met and you tweeted something like Look at Sean Crystal. He's doing some good stuff at Marvel. Or, or there's a few oh, people right. doing good stuff at Marvel, yeah. and I was on the list. Yeah, you know what, those I remember, because I saw guys, because I wasn't working for Marvel, but I saw all these guys whose stuff I really liked working at Marvel, and I, I thought that was great. Like, I thought that, that, you know, the types of artists I would like to be were working there, you know. It kind of right. gave me hope that may, maybe, you know, I would be, but by 
by, you know, kind of talking to people on Twitter, I realized all the guys who I liked liked certain stuff. Right. So, and they seemed to like my stuff. Yeah, so and, maybe, and that, that's what I was like, wow, because I liked your work. Hmm. And I was like, wow, Declan knows who I am and he's helping promote me. This is incredible. Yeah, well, and I mean, I'd I, 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 I help anybody if, if it's good. Yeah. There's too much crap. I you think know, we I want to, like, Jordy, uh, my girlfriend Jordy, she, um, She's got a couple of uh, assistants, and she's like, you know, they do a lot of like flatting for her, or like, they take, they do a lot of color correcting, or, you know. Real quick, let me, Jordi Belair, colorist. Yes. I, I have, uh, I found that in the conversations, we just start name dropping. Oh, of course. And then there are some people who aren't deep into comics, or not into it at all, and they're like, who is that? Fair, Fair enough. enough. I just try to clear yeah, it up. Yeah. So your girlfriend, Jordi. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she's uh, she colors uh, a whole load of stuff, some excellent stuff. But um, she has a couple of um, uh, of assistants who will like flatter work, and then you know they'll go over and they'll color correct it, which is like you know Superman's cape is red and his skin is right. one color. You know, just make everything actual literal color. Um, which you know, flatting is pretty much a dead end job in some ways because it's it's yeah, a step in, there. but not necessarily up. Right, know? right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But what she's in. what she's doing with them is she's talking to them about their own work and she'll still color their own stuff yeah. so I, I feel I feel like through her I think I feel like there'll be like two more really good colors within two years you know yeah sure because we want good you know they're I good people I think the more you know. that we can bring in apprentice and have that master apprentice relationship mm. it, it just benefits everyone yeah alright let me get back to you coming to America and you're going to see your dad your sister's with you yes and this is after the con it was after the con. I don't know. So you've been through the physical and emotional roller coaster of a convention. Yeah, with also with this kind of hanging over. I mean, I, I probably was stupid to do it before uh, afterwards, but I guess I just didn't know how it was going to go. Sure. You know, so best to do it and then go back to Ireland rather than. And at this point, you were working for Boom. Yes. Yeah. I think. Was, yeah, I was. I was working for Boom at the time, or was I? No, actually, I don't think no. I was. No, I was um, doing um, classical. I was doing adaptations of classical books. I think I was okay. doing a Sweeney Todd one at the time. Okay, well, that's interesting. Okay, so talk to me now. Um, you you go to your dad's. Yeah. You and your sister. Uh, yeah, we, we met. He, he we picked picked a place in a uh, New York. His oh, hotel. Oh, a public place. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I think I've, I'm trying to remember now. I think I wanted to be a public place because I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't <laughs> know whether I was going to like laugh at him. Hit him, you know, just like fucking yell, yell at him, you know. I, I just didn't know. Right, and, sure. And I, I remember, I remember, I wanted to be there before him. Um, I wanted to be sitting there, and just, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be as much on my terms as possible. I that's, guess because that's mafia stuff, right? There. Yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, what's the last Sopranos? But I, 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 I know what it is now. Clearly, I wanted to have some kind of control over Absolutely. the situation right, after I had right. no control at all. Well, after, after what he had done to you to give him any more control was just mm. setting yourself up for being hurt, probably. Yeah. All right. So you, you get a, you pick a spot. You and your sister mm. are waiting. Yeah. So we were on our way to his hotel and. Um, I was like, oh, you know, kind of trying to psych myself up because I'm, um, because again, I'm the older brother, so okay. you know, I so would be protective of my sister right. as well, you know, and she, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I won't talk about her like uh, that's her, her own stuff, but um, I was like trying to step in and be the person who talked, right? And we were about to cross over to his hotel, and uh, someone like tapped me, and I got a tap on the shoulder. I turned around, and there was this old guy, old man looking at me, and he's like, "Hi," and uh, I was like, "Oh." Fuck! It's him. Like it was him. He 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 was on his way to his hotel. 
And we, How did we, he recognize you? Um, he'd seen he'd seen uh, photos of me online because of like, you know, Facebook or whatever. Right. Which really pissed me off too. I remember because like because he got the drop on you. Uh, no, because like he can look me up, but I can't look oh, him you up. Can't you, look you know him what I mean? Up. Yeah, you know that yeah. really annoyed me. You he know? can he can watch you and keep an eye on you, but you yeah. have no idea. Yeah, like, I know my I know my sister. Like she had like all her like fa- all her Facebook stuff is private. But I mean, well, one I'm an artist, so I was trying to promote myself. Absolutely. Two, you know, I'm a fairly open book. I don't really you know care. But remember that really annoyed me because um you know. I, again, anything he did was going to, was going to annoy me. Of course, me. but of I remember the, the principle of it, you know. But sure. um, it, it uh, uh, <laughs> I remember, um, I, I, of course, as I normally would, uh, in a situation like that, I made a joke. It, it reminded me of um, this uh, cartoon called Dexter's Lab. Yeah, there's one episode with the, they kind of do a speed racer uh, uh-huh. spoof, and uh, Dee Dee, the, the sister, is uh, Racer X, uh-huh. and at the very end of it, like you know. Um, uh, uh, Dee Dee comes up to the father and uh, Dexter and you know and um, he's like you know or the Dexter's like look it's uh, it's my long lost sister Dee Dee like you know and she's like oh hi dad he's like he's like Dee Dee uh, he's like where have you been all this time and she goes behind you he goes oh you know I never looked there you know <laughs> I remember <laughs> right, thinking that was really funny but that's all I could think of when I'm looking at my father who I haven't seen in like twenty years and all I could think of was like oh there you are right <laughs> 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 you've been behind me the whole time um, but uh, yeah that was. That was a crazy experience because, um, you know... So what did you do? You, you you're on the street when this happened? Yeah, right in the middle of the street, you know. Um, so we said, oh, sure, we, we found a pub. To, were you just spinning at this point? Yeah, like, I was. My head was going crazy, like, you know. What were you feeling? Anger? Yeah. Sadness? Yeah, because as well, he'd say stupid, stupid shit, like, you know, uh, like that, you know. Oh, you know, I've been keeping an eye on you. You know... Fuck you! Well, you don't get to keep an eye on me. You know right. little things like that. How you know, dare you. It's yeah. clear, and I think that was what happened when I met him. Is essentially he was, he's just an old, old fella. You know, yeah. like he's, uh, it was very disappointing, because he was just some guy. You know, right? Put it this way, from his in balance, I can say, I feel bad for the guy. He made a mistake. You know, um, uh, sure he didn't mean it, but you know, uh, he, he screwed over his kids. You know, and I can feel bad from that regard. But then I feel I get pissed off at myself for even like why, why even, why even go there? Why even think fairly? But I actually just can't help. Sure. But like well, try he, the bottom line is he did something shitty, but he's also still your father. Yeah. So I can't imagine wrestling with all of that. You're gonna have you. You can't make it one dimensional. Or I'm just angry. Or you know, yeah. I'm gonna. And you know, and it's it's it's. I mean. I must sound so stupid to anybody listening, but at the same time, this was something I'd built up in my head for a long, 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 long time. All my life would be like, what would it be like if I met him? Sure, And it's sure. happening. Like, this is all, the event. And, and the conversation is like, oh, there's a pub there. Do you want to go there? Or it's like, oh, it looks a bit busy. We'll be, like, the, you know, boring right, crap. You're masking. Uh, right. No, no, you have to. Like, you have to figure out where you're going to go. Like, cross right. the street. You know, that's yeah. it's not the conversation I want to be having right now, you know? Right, I want to be telling right. you After you're all an these asshole. years, yeah, I've got like, something like, to oh, say so, to you. How are you? Oh, grand, fine. You know, so awkward. But um, So you found a pub. Found a pub, sat down, and uh, I think we just talked about like, you know, we'd been to the show and this, that, and the other. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a blur now, but um, I don't know. I tried being reasonable, like totally fair. Chat away with him. At one point, I you know, you know, kind of kind of fucked him out of it a little bit, but like I didn't shout or or, or yell mm-hmm. or anything. But um, you know, I, I remember at one stage I realized I'm being too nice to him. Oh you know, right, good. You know, uh, I was like, no, he. And I'm not confrontational either, you know. I avoid confrontation, right. like the plague. 
Um, but uh, I remember at one stage, like, going, look, well, you fucked us, you know, like, you know, you went out, like, it, you totally screwed us over. I mean, I know, the thing is, I know that if he had stayed, my life would be very different, you know. I have a very supportive mother who had to look out, like, single mother who had to look after her two, two kids on her own. Really good relationship with my mother, you know. Um, uh, if he'd stayed around, like, from what, from what I've heard about him, you know, since... You know, I wouldn't be where I am now. You know, okay. I don't think I'd be. I don't know if I'd be drawing, but <clears throat> I would. Uh, you know, lifestyle would have been a lot different. Probably wouldn't have been a support. Like, clearly, he was an idiot. You know, and so having having him in my life probably wouldn't have done me any good. You know, sure. So sure. in a way, you know, I know I'm, I'm way better off. Right, like, you're better off. So you're, I was able, I'm able to walk away with my head high, going. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. so how did he react when you <clears throat> let him have it? Um, I just kind of <clears throat> nodded and was teary, and then of course, then I felt bad. Like, and then I pissed off myself <laughs> for feeling bad. But um, like, I mean, like I said, he was just some guy. Was he apologetic? Yeah, like he said, he said, you know, that no, it was things with my mo- your your mother and me, and you know, I'm like, you know, fuck that. Like, it, I don't care. What about me? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't care what relationship. Like, you know, she, my mother didn't leave. You know, right? Um, but. uh and plus, you know, I mean, you know, I, w- I was there, but I was four years old or five years old. I mean, right. I don't know, you know, his options. I just I just couldn't believe. Oh, and that would really annoyed me. Like, he'd been back to Ireland loads of times. Oh, really? Yeah, and he never... And that's the thing. He'd, he'd just kind of drop it in there. It's like, oh, I was in, like, you know, going through Dublin. And we we're like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Last time I was through Dublin. I was like... Did you ask him why didn't you bother? Yeah, yeah. I said, like, do you not think... Uh, Give us a call, you know, your two kids. Uh, and he was like, oh, I didn't know what to say. I was like, well, fucking hello would have been nice, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That wasn't going to go, like, if he, if he had done it, it wasn't right. going to go well. But that's not really the point, you know. Right. Um, well, you wanted some answers. Yeah. And I think that was the ultimate thing, is there were no answers. He had no oh, answers. Oh, there was none. He just didn't know. You know, like, he's been, he either forgot or, you know, just, you know, Dad, you just he didn't like that's the thing you think I thought you know he's like this is the reason right but there wasn't it was just so, it been it so just, long ago it just fizzled just in fizzled, the pub which was very very anticlimactic yeah know? yeah I think so you know you don't get to resolve anything and you yeah just, and that was it was yeah it was really really weird it's a hard closure all the, yeah especially after building up for for so long and then afterwards it was just like you know so. So it just fizzled and you guys went your separate ways? Yeah, we agreed to meet. We arranged to meet up the next day and he said, you know, we, we met for like lunch or something and he said, he told me he was really glad that we got onto him and, you know, he'd like to stay in contact. And I told him, well, that's grand, but we've come over to you, you know, it's up to you now. And I've never heard from him since. Oh, really? Yeah, so. You well, know. You, uh, well, I guess you got as much closer as but you're going to get. That, that's the thing. To be honest, it, it did wonders for me because I guess that was always in the back of my mind and it was finally resolved and she was anticlimactic stupid and it was awkward and it was you know uh, it was very strange but I did get that closure right you know? he no, it no longer had power over yeah, you yeah and, I, and I, I could tell there was a change in me since like in, in just how I am like I'm a lot more you know a lot more relaxed a lot more fo- uh, well I was always focused to be fair but um, I just I, I don't let things bug me as much as, as I used to. Things used to be like really make a, a lot of things would be a really big deal. But um, was Jordy in the picture at this time? No, I didn't know Jordy at the okay. time. This 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 must have been f- at least four years ago, not this stage. So okay. no, I wouldn't have known. Wouldn't have known Jordy. All right. 
So just back up a little bit to childhood and comics. So you, you met a couple of friends in, in high school, and mm-hmm. that was it? You just Yeah, I had one friend. Uh, he, he'd get uncanny. Well, there was a thing. It was hard to get. There was no comic shops anywhere near me. Like There was only, like at the time, I'd say maybe three in the country, and I was at the other end of the country. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I think there was two oh, in my. Dublin, maybe one in Cork. Wow. Maybe one in Galway. So, yeah. And that's, that would be, like, you know, the Republic. Um, so I think for as a treat, my mum would take me to Dublin, like, for my birthday or, you know, and I would go to the comic shop there. And, I'd like, she'd literally leave me in there, go away shopping for the day and come back at the end of the day. And I'd have figured out what I want. Oh, wow. I spent the entire day there, like, just looking through things. Seeing, I, mean, I don't mean reading everything. I just, like, So it was, know, it was a real treasure getting a comic book. It was a huge, huge treat. And I managed to kind of get to a local news agency and get like an, uh, I ordered X-Men and uh, um, I got like a couple of issues of it but then it, the Age of Apocalypse happened uh-huh. so because you know, this was an old lady ordering a thing called X-Men she didn't know what the hell it was oh, right. it was just called X-Men so would they change the title for Age of Apocalypse so I didn't get any comics for, for three months or I should say comic um, <laughs> and then and I remember the first one I got like you know I saw the cartoon you know and then I right. got my first issue of X-Men and it was um, uh, one of them was like it was Banshee uh, Sabretooth uh, Emma Frost Jubilee uh, yeah I think that was it I'm like where's Wolverine <laughs> you know like <laughs> where's Gambit like I don't know what the hell is this um, but I remember not too long after that uh, a publisher in the UK called Panini they started reprinting a lot of American material, so okay. so the the Clone Saga in Spider Man and a lot of the X Men stuff, they they were basically three years behind. But for the okay. pri- for the price of an American comic, they had three issues, so okay. they were slowly catching up. But I mean, I was able to like read a lot of comics. And how old are you? you uh, I was I would have been like uh, fifteen okay. around then. So okay. that that was prime. And just for the time. young listeners out there, there was no internet to go look no, at this stuff. No, there was no. Uh, when I kind of when I finished college and started trying to get into comics that's when you know I started because like, the internet was around for <laughs> the internet was around for a while before I even I got on it you know I didn't know how to use it at all I didn't know how to scan anything until I was like 24 something like that but, um, I remember learning that stuff yeah I was like what, what? I remember having people help me scan yeah my girlfriend at the time showed me how to scan you know and she was still in college and I wasn't so I had to come back into the college I'd studied in uh, to, to learn how to scan all right, I want to I want to do a quick little overview of getting your career started, mm-hmm. and then I want to get into some some different stuff. So, w- w- uh, were you always wanting to do comics since you discovered them? Um, well, since my dad left, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I've always always wanted to do comics. I mean, I haven't, I didn't want to do. I remember even as a kid, any kind of like art job that would come up like maybe your teacher would tell you about it or my mom would tell me about it. I was never interested I was I, it, I kind of like entered some competitions I remember I won a competition like I did it, like a kind of a painting of Jesus on the cross <laughs> not really what I, I'm into but uh, you know cause again I was in, a, I was in a, a Catholic school but um, there were little things like competitions I would enter but effectively I was more I was interested in drawing comics Um yeah, I think that was the question, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah what, it's always been comics. What, what about the medium grabs you? Um, you seem to have been taken to it at a, at a young age and you knew you wanted to do it, and I was the same way. And like I said on the panel yesterday, mm-hmm. I, can, I can clue it in to one comic and one movie that made everything in my head click. 
I can draw movies. And yeah, it I, is. you said that you said that on the panel the other day, and it is that it's the basic. Well, I mean, now I think what I think it is is I think it's the authorship, but I don't think I really had a concept of that when I was a kid. Uh-huh. You know, I the sense of that you are telling a story and is told by you. You know, um, like uh, the idea of I know some animators in Dublin, and like the idea of working on an animated movie just it it's it just seems depressing to me. You know, yeah, now, I, I mean th- it's fine for those guys, and they're they're totally happy doing it. It's just personally. I, maybe I just crave the attention because your name is on <laughs> right. it. Well, it no, probably, you know, it probably was an attention thing when I was younger, you know. Or I found, I probably found one thing I was good at and just, you know, went with it. Yes, but that's that was the drawing, the actual comics. Though I just, I don't know, there was nothing else like them around yeah. at all. I know? find I have a lot of friends in animation and video games, and and those are nice, stable, well-paying jobs, and you know, you get to work on a feature film. Mm-hmm. But but in a lot of ways, you're invisible. Because yeah. the product is the result of so many hands, as a, it's it's fascinating as a team they make such perfection, hmm. but in comics there's so few hands. It's it's you. I mean, when there's a book on the shelf drawn by you, I mean you ink yourself, you mm-hmm. you pencil. It's you, your vision, untouched. Yeah, it's it's you exposed, and that's I think what drives people in comics is it's the most pure medium where you get to have your creative voice heard yeah like and even like a kind of like internal battle to me i am basically in the alternative uh you know guy um you know in doing it for the craft and for the art yeah yes all i've pretty much done is work for higher comics well, you know, I, I but think the thing that's is, I actually generation. do. I do legitimately enjoy them, though. You know, I haven't like. Right. You know, there's probably earlier on. I just did jo- jobs just to, for jobs, but um, I, I enjoy the process of turning a. It's, it's, it's a lot of it's puzzle solving. You know, like when yes, you get a, a that's script. exactly. Yeah, thumbnails are a giant puzzle. Yeah, which is what like you know, and any any artist I respect would say the same thing. I know Somni says the same thing that it's 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 the hardest, but it's also the best. It's where the real creative right. decisions well, that, are made. You that's know? the I always say that's the spine of our medium. Yeah. Once my thumbnails are done, it's but you see that is nothing to do with, you know, movies or anything like that. Do you know right. what I mean? As in, as it's it's you know it's a certain shape. Oh right! You know, no 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 no! It's it's its own medium with its own conventions. So like even saying storyboard. I mean, I'm I think if I was given a storyboard job, I I I think I'd nail it. You know. Um, it, yeah, yeah I it, think so. It eliminates. I mean, like maybe I'm wrong, but I mean because. Um, the hard part of a comic book page is the panel flow, is, is the flow of going right, on the page again going back to the panel yesterday and, but you eliminate that with storyboards because you essentially have right one. and I think a lot of storyboarders who come into comics miss the point of the medium because mm. every panel is the same shape and size yeah it's, it's, it's something I meant to say when I was mentioning Twitter was that when I saw that guys who I liked liked guys other guys that I liked and those guys seemed to like me it made me kind of realise that I actually might be as somebody who I would like, you know what I mean. If right. I saw my work, I would like it because I don't. I think a lot of guys, <laughs> but don't, you need, you need yeah. that, that justification from the other people. Well, I'm too close. There's no way I could ever. Say no, no, that, no, no. I agree. So I, was, I mean, I'm really saying that because to, I feel the same way. Yeah, it's like, wait a minute. If these people like what I'm doing, maybe I'm. I don't suck. Because yeah, because well, because I've met guys like who um, they go, oh, I love Magnolia, and you look at their stuff and you're like. Really, I don't. I don't mean you have to be aping him right, to, to be influenced right, by him. You're not, I would say I'm influenced. You're by not him, getting it. Yeah, you know, it's like really the what? Don't see any of it. You yeah. know, I think yeah, you just get blinders of of how, thinking how you're supposed to draw, 
and you just end up perpetuating the same thing over and over and over sure, again, you know? Sure. Um, but like, yeah, so it was really kind of liberating to feel like that maybe I am doing the type of work that I that I like to buy and I enjoy. Yeah. And that gave me a lot of confidence. And, and that gave me a lot of confidence. And I noticed when I got confidence about what I was doing, the work got better. Yeah. Straight oh. away, like, you know. Yeah, it just happened. It was really weird. I just noticed, like, it's like a... F- I remember I, I studied fine art in college for four years and I had a great time. A lot of good, really close friends from that time, but I was kind of feeling like it was a waste of time because mm-hmm. I wasn't drawing comics. And maybe if I'd just been drawing comics for four years, I'd be getting work, you know, I'd have worked by now. Right. But I, I noticed that when those things kind of like clicked was the stuff that I learned in college. It's like my brain was processing it for like two, three years after college. Right. And then it hit me and I, I, I started just kind of like thinking more about like what I learned in, in art rather than trying to draw in comics. Like the first thing I drew after college was a very Brian Hitch looking image. You know, that's what I was thinking I had to draw, like, which is not what I want to do, you know, but that's what I thought I had to be doing. Right. So once like, it's kind of like my brain was fermenting all this, uh, these experiments I made in college um, and it started showing in my work and just everything just started taking off from there. You know, people started taking notice because it was different. It was, well, I mean, uh, maybe it is. Uh, I'm not really that different, you know, I'm kind of like. No, I, I think our school, like I, our, our class in comics. Yeah. The guys. That that we all kind of came in around the same time. Some took off before, and some mm. like I think myself are straggling in in the back. But I feel like we all are are very much into having our voice. We we have a similar aesthetic and we have similar tastes, but we don't look alike. Mm-hmm. And you said earlier there's a there's an indie alternative sensibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is. We, we all seem to have a a voice that's ours. And in comics, that makes things a lot harder when you're trying to break in. Well, when we were trying to break in. Mm-hmm. Now, now I think it's more accepted. But I think by sticking to our guns, we have now created a wide range of diversity. And I just look at Marvel and... Yeah. I, I mean, you, I've known for a little while... I've known Chris Somney for a while, mm-hmm. Latour, me, Stegman, Scotty. So many of these people I've come up with in different ways, mm-hmm. and everyone's doing their thing at a time when it was really hard to get work doing it. Yeah. But I think having that in, indie sensibility is helping push things forward. Well, I mean, I, I think, I'm sure there's lots of things. Like, I think uh, editors are a lot more open-minded now than, you know, they're yeah, inter- yeah. interested in different stuff rather than, you know, being comic fans who liked George Perez back in the 70s and think that's what you're supposed to still be doing. You know? Right. No, no offense, right. but, I mean, no, no, but, George but, is his, but his when thing. We, and I, I know when I was first trying to come in, that's what you had to do. Yeah. And I remember, like, being told, oh, well, you're very cartoony. There's not a lot of jobs for guys like yeah. you. I remember being told, like, you know, uh, a guy I knew told me, like, you know, if you're inking your own work, you know, don't get too into it because, you know, then you're going to get used to inking your own work and you won't want anybody else inking you. That could hurt you with jobs. Uh, yeah. But and I, I, I'm glad I inked my own work. Right. I'm the same way. I, people told me the same thing. Because it makes you, you're not dependent on anybody else. And what right. I love about working with Jordy is, um, is, because uh, Jordy colors some of my stuff and she'll be coloring dead, uh, the new Deadpool book but she will take what I, what I, the image I have and she'll do what I want do it better and do something different that I wasn't expecting uh-huh. and that's made that 
makes me look way better, you know. And what I find is, if you just leave it, and no, that's I have a certain element of control because I can ask her for things or try to explain things that I want, and she's totally on board with it. Or she completely disagrees and tells me this something else would be good. But if you just put it out there, you've no idea what it's going to look like from a colorist. So if you're penciling and you put it out there, you've no idea what it's going to look like from an English. Right. The right. most control you can have over it, the is, more you I, own I it. I agree. You know. Yeah, and so I like feel I'm like telling you like you disagree. God's sake, Sean. <laughs> I, I just I, I feel like my work isn't mine until my inks are on it. Mm. It's just same here. I'm a cog in the machine producing the comic. The only I actually wouldn't mind somebody else inking me just as an experiment. I I had some help on a Dark Avengers friend of mine, Stephen Thompson. He's a, a fantastic artist. He's a real draftsman, um, but he's the only guy I knew who would be who had the time and inclination to just kind of work on my stuff because. He's, he's such a good draftsman, I didn't need to worry about him, you know, inking anything wrong. But he also is like, really good at, like, effects and doing different things, so he right. could kind of emulate what I was going for. Now, I was really stuck, I was in a bind, and, and he helped me out. But um, it's kind of like, any of the guys who I would like to ink my stuff are guys like Sean, or you, or, uh, you know, artists who ink themselves. Right. Because it would be interesting. I think that Tom would be Fowler fun. Or something that like would that, be you know? more about, hey, let's play together. Yeah, as an experiment, you know, right. but I certainly wouldn't want to be that to be And what, those what guys aren't just like someone who inks someone they're yeah. they're well-rounded artists so yeah, exactly yeah because i knew if they made a decision then they're doing it for a reason rather than right. just you know going and it's going to come out with some interesting look rather than I, I just found that like when i was first inked it was just a a weak imitation of what i what i what my pencils wanted mm. like I, hate, I knew what i would have done my pencils i hate them they're they're just not done. Mine aren't. I mean, my, they're, mine my aren't. They're very unfinished, are, and they're some of them are kind of like it's. I, I remember even trying to trying to like not really pencil much and just drawing the inks, yeah. but I found that it, it just got wobbly and all. It got all over the place. My pencils are tight, but there's none of the. There's no depth to them. There's mm-hmm. no life. There's no texture, and that that's where the inks really. Well, come I find in. that basically. I think as as Kevin Nolan said, uh, you know, pencils are 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 the are the are the how do you say it? I think pencils are the hard work and inking is a celebration of the work. Oh, that's you know? awesome. I, I really like Because it is, for me, penciling is work. It's so, it's, it's like, it's the most, it's the, it's the part I like least. Because I've done the thumbnails. Yeah. I've done that, that, that satisfied yeah. part where you yeah. feel, you've basically, you've drawn a comic. It's not, it's not finished, but you've solved all the problems. Yeah. And there's the inking stage where you're finishing it and fleshing out and making more decisions. But the penciling is where I'm not really making decisions that much I'm just gathering reference and making sure everything is consistent and that, right you know that everything, that's more work yeah you know yeah exactly and and, and um, I, I I hate it <laughs> 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 but, but that's a step I need to get to to get to the ancient, sure you know? yeah I mean I do often fantasize about a day where that step of the process can be eliminated it, it, there's no way I can there eliminate is, there it. is a way digital well, and that's a, that, wanna, I'm, I'm gonna I'm that. gonna digital pencil now. I'm Are starting you? to yeah. I don't mind digital penciling. In fact, after a few tests, I like it because the way I pencil, I pencil in layers. I build like I sculpt, mm-hmm. and and I build like I, I draw in a, just a, a general shape, and then I go in and construct and work through and fill out the shape with proper anatomy and. And all that stuff. So being in the computer, having things on different levels, able to adjust transparencies, 
gives me a much deeper range of transparency than graphite and board. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoy I enjoy that. Well, <clears throat> you're a great draftsman, so if that's what you want to do, fair enough. Um, I, I, you know what you're doing. And I have no problem with somebody who's very good at drawing deciding to go that way. But I see more and more people who haven't really, they're not fully formed yet, yes. going digital. And they're not they're not going to learn certain no, things it's, it's not, that you learn by working. No, I agree. You know? And my decision to do this is based off of, you know, decades of penciling. Yeah, you've done, you've figured out those things. And, you, you and knowing what I want. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm I'm inking, I'm not going to ink on the computer. Yeah. Oh, I, no, I no, will that's, never uh, do that. Of course. But I find that having to work within the restrictions of penciling something and inking something. So the pencil... It smudges, or you're rubbing it out, and it, and it smudges, or you're trying to you know the pencil breaks, or you know you're working with ink, but the ink sits on it too much because of all the right, pencils. Right. Those problems you really learn from experience. Oh, those absolutely! Problems. By making the mistakes, you learn, and I find that working digitally, when for somebody who's like you know, I, I don't mean you, but a bit a novice, say, no, I get it, I get it. Cover all those mistakes. They don't learn from them. They right. just manage to sidestep There's them. There's some real know? tactile learning that exists when you really just use traditional methods. And I see it, I'm seeing it a lot more, like, um, I'm just seeing, I, you can tell sometimes that they're able to cover drawing so much, like, unsuccessful drawing with, you know, with an undo button or they just move something. And it's, right. I just, I don't think you learn when you do that. I think you just... I agree. When you just lasso ahead and make it larger instead yeah. of redrawing. No, of course, I see the practical applications to it. Right. But I don't see how you, you're not going to improve. Early on, it's, it's not until you go idea. like, this isn't working and i got to stay up for two hours to fix this. But that's going to, what's going to make you better. I agree. You know? I agree. Um, I think it's very short-term thinking for a lot of younger artists. And again, just to be clear, I'm not talking about you. I just I hate no, no, seeing I it happen. I, I see it happen with younger kids. You know? Sure. They're, I mean, I, I teach school. I see it all the time. And, and what really gets me is when they just think inking is taking those digital pencils and adjusting the levels on them. And yeah. that's done. That's a crazy. Um, I want to get into uh, when you met Jordy and some of that. Let's take a quick little break here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then we'll get into that. Sure. All right. Back from the break. Um, so I, I wanted to talk to uh, you about uh, you and Jordy, your relationship and your working relationship. Mm-hmm. Because last night we started talking and I found something very interesting that we'll get to. You so, and Jordy were talking? No, me and you were talking. Oh, okay. You'll remember when we, when okay, we get to that right. point. Um was it Jordan? No, it was me and you. Okay. Um, I think it was last night in the room. In, I don't remember talking. I don't remember talking to you in the room. You were the other side of me. Maybe it was at the bar. There's a lot of blurry moments. To this yeah, week. yeah. It's the stuff that I thought was solid is no longer solid. <laughs> right, right. So when when did you meet Jordy? I met Jordy uh, online. Uh, I met her. Uh, I saw a comment on my blog. And I saw it was a girl, and <laughs> I looked at her website, <laughs> um, and she was really good. She was really good. I am. Um, and this is when she was painting. This is no. She she didn't really paint that much. Um, she she was drawing a lot. She was doing uh, illustrations. Okay. She had, she was doing a lot of um, film posters basically through college. Now I didn't realize she was in 
in college. Right. She would have been in college at the time, I think. But um, mm-hmm. now, literally, like, I, you know, I just checked her out. Um, but I saw her stuff, and and I just thought it was really nice. So I kind of like kept it as a bookmark. And then when I got on Twitter, I don't, I forget how, but I saw that she was on Twitter. I was like, oh hey, how's it going? That would, again, that was it. Didn't know anything about her. Like you know, she had a boyfriend or anything like that. It was just, I just remembered a good artist. And I, to be honest, I do that a lot. If I see somebody's stuff I like, I I try follow them and yeah, you know, keep tabs on them you know I think that's how we all meet each other yeah exactly exactly. Um, but um, yeah I was in New York for a while I spent three months in New York um, uh, dicking around having a great time and I saw she had a she had a piece in a like a, a, an, in, an, in an exhibition in a society of illustrators uh-huh. Uh, and I, I saw, I was like, oh, that's uh, that's that Jordy girl's work, a nice one, you know. And I remember I got onto her saying, oh, nice work. And then I found out she was in, uh, she was in New York. So I said, oh, we should totally meet up sometime. And um, I met up sometime, and, and and we did. I went to, went to an atheist lecture with Sean, in New York, <laughs> and left that, and then met Jordy. Um, uh, so my head was reeling from all this, like all this great information and and you know opinions and stuff, and uh, and I met her, and she was, you know, you've met Jordy, she's just a big nut job of fun, you know. Right. But um, but she was great, and uh, she was she was struggling illustrator at the time. She just finished college, and she's trying to get illustration work. She got bits and bobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I do when I meet somebody, I kind of sometimes I get a bit personal as regards questions, you know, and. Um, she, you know, she was, I mean, I've seen her stuff. She was really good, really good, you know. And I was asked, she said she liked comics. And I was like, oh, why not get into them? And she's like, oh, well, I don't know. You know she'd, she had basically various interests, you know. Uh-huh. Um, whereas I was focused. There's one thing I've always wanted to do. Yeah, and I've been yeah. doing this so much, like, so long, all all, all day long. Um, and I think I was, I was just, just saying, well, it's easy to do. I mean, you just take a piece of paper and you draw it and you, you scan it and, you know, kind of encouraging her in that regard. But I remember I was doing a... I was doing... Oh, sorry, then then we started seeing each other more. Um, she was in a different area of Brooklyn to me. It was a bit of a pain. So but, you were living in New York? Yeah, I was staying in Brooklyn. Um, this was a pretty long stay. It was. It was, like, it was just as long as I would be allowed to stay. Which is how long? Uh, it's like 90 days okay. is the tops. Then, you know, I think, so I think I stayed like 78 Okay. You know, I like I, I, I melted it for all it was worth, um, and uh, yeah, I, I saw her a good a good bit, and we got on really well. I think I met her earlier on, so we yeah we've been together a couple of months. Uh-huh. By the time I had to leave, excuse me, then we went long distance for three months, and then I went back to uh, to New York for another three months. Right, and I stayed with her. I lived with her. She's really good. I, I never would have done. I never would have moved in with a girl like so soon. Because I'd be like, I think I remember this. I knew yeah. you at that point. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'd met at that point. Um, yeah, because I'd gone to a lot of shows while I was staying in the states for a while. Like, I went right, to a lot I of shows. You telling me I'm going to move in with. Oh yeah, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the thing I would never would do that. But like, that's I mean, kind of had to like had to figure out whether or not sure. you know uh, it was going to work or not. But then when I was going back to Ireland, I mean, I had essentially been moving every three months for like a year and a half. I was pretty tired. Um, I just wanted to stay in one place, you know, uh, and like things at Marvel were going really well, so um, uh, it made it was more feasible for her to stay in Ireland than it was for me to stay in America, you right. know, unless I got like a work visa or something through one of the companies. But I wasn't really there very long. I was there like seven months, kind of, you know, be going like, hey, give me a, 
give me a work visa so soon. But um, so we went to Ireland and things have gone really well since then. It was, it was, it, I, I definitely, it's gone well for me because I've had a place to stay in one in one place, in a nice place, and just work my arse off. And it's right. it's done really well for me. I've done a lot of projects that I've really enjoyed that if I was in New York, I wouldn't have done because sure. there's too many distractions. Okay. I, lo- I love I love New York. Um, let me just, before we get into that, mm-hmm. were, were you constructive in, in opening up the idea of Jordy coloring comics? I think... I can't remember if I put the idea in her head, but I remember her asking me if I'd mind if she coloured something of mine. I was doing a... a, a, I had to finish off this Sweeney Todd graphic novel, and uh, I wasn't... I knew I wasn't going to like the way the colours were going. It's, like, very not in the way I like. It's like, you know, there's candles, but they're exploding with light, you know? Stuff I wouldn't like. And uh, she said... uh, And basically, she needed money. Uh-huh. You know, um, because she was trying to make it as an illustrator, so sure. she considered. She said, "Would it, you know? If, could it, you mind if I try out for that book you're doing?" And we, we hadn't been seeing each other that, that long, but I mean, my opinion was, I'm sure you do a good job. You know, why not? I don't think you'll get it because I don't think that's what the editor wants. But by all means, try. So she did, and she did an interesting job. Uh-huh. She picked very non-literal colors. They're not what you'd expect, but they were interesting. Right. And so I liked them, and she didn't get the job because. They were interesting, um, <laughs> so um, I think then she, uh, I think maybe she she met maybe she met Matt Wilson. Can't remember if she met Matt Wilson, but Matt was a lot of help to her. Like I'm Matt was sure. the, Matt was the one colors colors I was really trying to work with because I think he's 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 quite excellent. He's yeah. really, you know really great eye for color storytelling, and he's he's just an excellent colorist. Right. So she talked to him a bit, but. I she did some samples that were really good. I think she sent stuff to Marvel. They they turned her down. Um, but it's kind of like all the notes that she got were f- were effectively how to color comics in the way you would expect a Marvel comic to be colored, rather than, you know, interesting, which is what she does. And Matt Mech gave her some really great advice: was just do it do it your way, and enough people will. If it's good, then people will come right. around and they'll like it. And that's exactly what happened, you know. And she's doing great now. She is. She just kept going. I mean, I think I sent her stuff to Boom because I, I I mean I did help her out. Like uh, uh, I sent her stuff to Boom, and they put her on a, a mini series. But then. I kind of I wanted her doing my stuff at Marvel, but she was too new. I guess it just couldn't work it out. But then, in everybody, I started seeing the stuff she was doing with you know little one-off illustrations of me, and then she would color like she, you know Chris Somney sketch or right. a Tom Fowler yeah, sketch, and then like enough people started asking for her. I think where you know. Yeah, she's fine. At, like, I mean, in a way, I'm kind of glad she wasn't coloring my stuff because at least she could be seen in, in her own right as a colorist rather than my girlfriend colorist. Right, right. You know, right. like I want them. That's what I wanted. But no, no, it's, you it's, know, yeah. for her own sake, she's I think made it's. Her own yeah, and now, now we get to work on th- together on Deadpool, but she's already really well respected. It like for right. what she does, which is quite excellent. You know. All right. Uh, so, what 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 I'm getting to here at the end? Um, you're one of the hard. Hardest working, most prolific guys drawing comics right now. You, have, you think? Uh, Declan, the output, it, it is, it's amazing and terrifying to me. I can't imagine how you put out the amount of work you put out. And you've, you, you, we've talked about it a little bit, and that's mm-hmm. what you were talking about last night. I mean, you're not kidding when you say you, when you're in Ireland, you just work. Yeah. And day in, day out, you and you've put out two books in a month before, correct? Um, no, I, I've, 
I was said I wouldn't say let anybody know, but I, I've done a book in three and a half weeks. Okay. The pencils and inks. Pencils and inks. Yeah. That's insane. Well, it it's. I'd be very efficient. I don't dick around with pages. Um, also, it depends. I think one of it was a Conan issue. Right. But, I mean, uh, I was lucky because it was Conan on a ship out in the ocean. There's not really much to draw, okay. you know. I try to draw, like, masts and, you know, bits of the ship in the background. But if he's standing out looking at the ocean, yeah. it's, it's a horizon line, you know. Like, I'll find something to draw in that situation. I think, I think my problem, I think my biggest flaw is I think storytelling-wise... And then I put information in afterwards. I'm not very good at adding character to backgrounds. It's something I really struggle with. Okay. Like, like for example, Sean's very good at it. Yeah, uh, like, I've seen J.P. Leon. Like, I saw, like, J.P. Leon draw, like, a, an office scene and all the stuff that was in it. What happens with me is I'm just thinking storytelling-wise. So, like, character has to be here so that the panel, right, read, you know, right, flow goes right. here. So afterwards, I'm trying to inject... Oh, so details in afterwards so okay. you know so if it's an office I've really like that's interesting like post-its yeah there'll be post-its and I'd look up fo- you know uh, photos and it just I have a really hard time adding character to backgrounds and it is my flaw but I mean for me I see my background as the stage and I'm very much from the Will Eisner school of thought here and the uh, stage play school of thought I like to it takes a lot of work to figure out how to create a, a environment with character mm-hmm. but I'll use two props like I'll have a desk and a mirror or, or a painting on the wall mm-hmm. and nothing else I'll give that desk and that mirror everything I've got because A I feel like it's a waste of time to give it around that area mm-hmm. um, and B I feel like for me that's what that's what comics are yeah and it, you give the sensation of an entire room with a few props of the room. Yeah. So it, it, it's... it's I, I spend a lot of time working to get rid of as much as I can. So I am thinking storytelling in that sense. The, the, the less stuff the reader has to visually deal with, mm-hmm. the easier, the clearer the storytelling will be. Well, I think... Um Goran Parlov, his work on, yeah, uh, on Punisher, it's, it's, it actually had a huge effect on me. Me too. He doesn't break panel borders. It, a lot of it's, well, wide panels. And if it doesn't need to be in there, it's not in there. You know? right, right. And he'll draw some magnificent stuff where it needs to be. When it needs if it. it doesn't need to be in there, he doesn't put it yeah, in there. And I, and I very much kind of stick with that. Like, yeah, if I, that's what I try to do. Yeah, I, I mean, try it, to show only what needs to be shown. And I mean, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not laziness. I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's distracting, you know, just, uh, oh, right, right. You know. It's not, I don't see it as lazy. It's, mm. it's working smarter. Yeah, just exactly. Just because you put in more time doesn't mean it makes the comics better. Yeah, like drawing, <clears throat> drawing the door and the plants by the door behind this character, uh, the, behind the, the close up of this character. To me, in that panel, it's like, why are those things next to him? You know, it is, it's right. not, in, and he's, t- he's saying, you know, the doctor's telling you, you know, I'm afraid you're going to die. Yeah. You know, like that, that's not that's helping. You know, if anything, right. they, they, they shouldn't be there, you know. Right. Right. So it's things like that. I think I'm good at, I've, I've, I've got a good process that's fairly time, time uh, efficient. I know I've taken on too much stuff, but I haven't, 
I'm very aware of what I can and can't do. Okay. Um, I think... All right, I guess... Well, this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jordy's the same way. Jordy's different. Jordy isn't aware of what she can and can't do. Right, but she's taking <laughs> on too much work. She is. Well, well, we're both taking on too much That's work. That's what I'm you know? Yeah, but I think so, she, she used to give out to me for saying no to things. But it's always better to say no uh, and rather than, you know, uh, saying yes to everything. But um, uh, to be fair to Jordy, a lot of it is... She's well-scheduled. She scheduled. She. I remember one time, like we spent an evening, and I was like, "What have you been doing all day?" She's like, "I was, I was scheduling." I looked, and she has like a yeah, calendar, everything figured out I where it's going to go. Too. But if, unfortunately, your your schedule will be fine, and my schedule will be fine because we'll get our script. Right. But you know, the, the but colorist has to clean up everyone's mess. Uh, to clean up everyone's mess, most guys are late. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea how. It how starts from the script. The script's mm. a little late, and the artist's a little late, and the colorist has to clean it all up. But I mean, but uh, but some artists are really yeah, yeah, late. Yeah, yeah, Some artists know? are very not I like professional. They, they'll hand in some stuff uh, that you know, eight, like six or eight pages that need to be finished that day. But I mean, like yeah. they have to be flattered. That takes a day. So I mean, yeah, how yeah. how is somebody supposed to get in? Well, and they really get the so if, so what happens if that happens? Then that hits the next book and then you've got this whole series of dominoes so you could say that she takes on too much stuff but if anything she takes on exactly as much she can do but circumstances change right so no that's true uh, so and so my point my my opinion is that she should do a little bit less to give herself that safety room but but why should she have to do less work just because of other people's mistakes but my point is you guys are both burning the candle at both ends and you were Mm. telling me the other night, like, maybe it was Jordy that you'll go take a nap and she'll wake you up and she'll take yeah, a nap. Yeah, no, that was me then, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, well, just the last two weeks. It gets... It gets... I, wh- how does this affect the relationship? Um, well... <sighs> It's, it's just more like pressure cooker. You guys are working no, in a pressure cooker. No, it's just kind of like things get pushed to the side. Of it. Like, uh, but the thing is, Jordy is much better at Wanting to go to things, wanting to do things, you know, like to me, a holiday is just like staying at home and not doing anything, like what, like <laughs> watch, watching movies and stuff, you know, because right. I, I don't get get time to do it. But um, uh, you know, I, I think I said it to Jordy recently was that I was worried that I was going to burn out, not like just uh, you know, totally like take on too much stuff, but I felt like my creative well was running dry because yeah, I because yeah. like when I, when I met when I was on Twitter and meeting guys like you like um, going to New York you know meeting uh, talking to Sean the well was brimming you yeah, know it, yeah. was, it was and then I got professional you know you know, superhero work and I started doing lots of stuff and really really trying to push the craft and making sure the work was good and the floodgates open and the work comes pouring yeah. and, and you just grind well I mean that's fine you can do that but then you stop and you go see a movie or you stop and you go to a gallery and right. you keep you keep you know topping up your your right. your, your creative well but now with the last the last year and a half i've been working so much that i haven't had time to do that so i my concern was that the well was getting i've basically been draining all the stuff that i've been putting in my brain for like the last 5 yeah, years yeah i've been worried about that now okay. i went to a creative well, there was a 3 day creative conference in um Dublin where they get like artists and designers animators and they give they give lectures on the work and it's excellent it's really good it's That's not good. excuse me it's not comics but it's right, it's, right. it's it's, it's excellent better than yes, yeah it's, it's, it yeah, really opens you up to stuff that I find really these much. shows 
fill my well pretty good. Then, uh, yeah, me too. You know, but uh, but, but I haven't had the time to do much shows, or you know, right. I, I've it's and normally right. I do I've, I would do sketches for fun that would help, but I, I yeah. I'm not sketching right. anymore. I'm doing yeah, comic book pages, you know. Um, but uh, as far as the relationship goes, you're you're talking about a bunch of all nighters getting yeah. by with little naps. Is is it is is it hard to keep the relationship? from feeling the pressure of uh, the stress of, of the... I'd say probably the worst thing is me worrying about her. Like, because she... I worry about her burning out because she's so talented. I hate to see something stupid ruin things for her. Right. So I would worry about her. And when she can tell I'm worrying about her, she would get very defensive about it. And like, I mean, okay. so we'd have kind of arguments in that regard, you know. Right, right. But, but, you know, so it starts from a good place and then we're both overcompensating in some way. I mean, uh, Jory's brought up before that she'd be worried that, like, you know, that it's, it, it would really hurt the relationship. But, I mean, I'm fine. I'm grand. But I know if it keeps going like that, 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 that would be bad. So I know I'm going to, you know, pair it back. Once yeah, I finish a couple of short stories, all, I'm gonna. We're all kind of hitting that that point in the career where I mean, I know personally, I'm more interested in putting out. Not that I have a large put out because of my other job, but I'd rather take more creative control of what I'm doing than just take a job because it's well, in front of me. Well, put this way, I'm in a stage of my 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 career now where I can kind of pick and choose some gigs. I don't have right. to I don't have to say yes to everything because I don't have to do it. It'll still be there. Um, it took me five years to do that. Yeah, Jordy is in the same position color wise but it took her two years much 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 quicker so I think Jordy just needs uh, what Jordy needs to do now is because what she would do she would do work for friends for free because she loves them so much sure. but like you know she can't do that anymore because no. she's too much you know other projects so I mean she I think I've realized, you know, there's lots of things, especially in drawing, like using reference or, you know, using, you know, a, a special effects with ink, where you go to a point where you go overkill and you yes. know the level and you take yes. a step back, you know? Right. Like when I discovered ink wash, uh, ink wash everything, but yeah. then you're, right. you're doing too much. Right. Or like putting splatter on the page. Right. I put on everything, but then you, yeah. you learn when, where not to right. use it. I now think, it's when it's done yeah, because people so. would tell you, don't take on too much stuff. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I, I am doing it. I can still, I will get it done because I'm, I, I pride I myself on being a time. Yeah, the thing is, like, I know I can, so I just. But it's also habit forming, you know. Right. Like it's like I told Jordy before. I'm I'm three o'clock. I'm dropping the pencil. I'm I'm not working after three. I'm going to go to bed, so I'm going to be up early. That's but good. then it just takes. Well, it's three o'clock in the morning, you oh. know. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, but you can get up. Yeah. At a, you yeah, you can. Yeah, I get up. Yeah, I get up around eight or eight or nine. I mean, if I go to bed at three. No matter what happens, I'm going to be up by seven because the house is up. The kids. No, are yeah, up. fair enough. But what I, what happens is, it's half three. Like it's three o'clock. It's like ah, oh, I'm just going to finish this panel. Right. It's half three. The next day, it's four. Next day, it's, it keeps put. I'm very bad at habit forming, so I just need to make sure that doesn't happen. You know, because right. it's very easy to fall into traps. You know. Yeah, I started taking Sundays off. I mean, for a good solid years, I just worked seven days a week. Yeah. And it was just I was burning out I was just reaching the end of it I was like I can't keep living like this I just can't so Sundays are just there's no work like I will I, I don't pick up a pencil I don't it's just let's go with the kids and do something and yeah no work that's helpful you, you have to do that at some point. and it is I mean it's, we'll put it this, this way uh, things that are a rough patch in that regard is how much work we have to do but also things are Fantastic with like the t the types of projects we're working on and what right. we get to do. Like I, I I love working for Marvel, but I love the work I've done with Brian Wood. 
Sure. And it made me realize that that's very much the type of stuff I'm going to be doing way more of in the right, future. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, you know? I um, once, like, but I would not have learned that unless I had done it and I had taken right. that, that extra commitment, you know? I just feel like you get your career to a certain stability level mm. and and then you can start taking some creative risks. And I feel I feel like I'm, I, I am in a stable you place are, right now. Are, and are. and Jordi, I, I feel, is she may not. I don't know if she does. Yeah, I, I, don't feel I think I kind of have to shake her and go, you know, you are actually fine here. You're right. working with some of the best talent in the industry on right, the best right, books. Right. You're fine, yeah. <laughs> you know? I think I got a few more years till, uh, till I can do that. But it's in the it's in the back of my head. Well, I mean, I've got the. I mean, I, I often think of career and whatnot, but I mean, I've I've the the benefit of being on stable books for a while and building a name for myself slowly. Yeah. You know, yeah. you teach, so you do less projects and they come out more right. intermittently. It, it makes you know? everything. I'm on a I'm on a slower treadmill than yeah. everyone else. Like I know, you know, JP Leon, who's like my favorite artist. Uh huh. I love his stuff and you know I would go to like comic shops and go through back issues fine because he did like an issue of Hellblazer he would do an issue of like Midnighter and then that's cool but like that's why most fans don't know who he is because he he's and I mean I'm not criticising him I I love what he does but from my own point of view I know that if I want to if I want the security to be able to do what I want I kind of need to get my my stuff out there to as many people as possible then I I can make more of my own decisions right I think that I think that that's a path like I'm looking at at, and I'm not comparing myself to Tim Sale in any way. I'm just saying the type of career he has has been built on less work but more specialized projects. Yeah, but but I think these days, like attention spans are much shorter. Like right. I was talking to somebody the other day. If I took six seven months off, did a graphic novel of my own, it'd actually probably take a year. Being realistic, did a graphic novel of my own. Uh, and I was really happy with it and even did it through a small publisher like Oni or something like that you know which is something I actually would like to do um, if I do that now that would n- that would not be a good idea because I'm, I've built sort of momentum sure, at, sure. at publishers like Marvel and whatnot. Yeah. All right. that we, now right. is not the time because it would actually kill the momentum you know Right. No, I'm, I'm not it. at that level yet where I can go I'm going to do this come back and hey Marvel give me another job it's, it's not I'm not at that level yet right you know? I got you I, I can't hear this though because I don't have a choice. I can only put out. Oh no, no! I, I, I totally, I totally understand. You know, um, but that, that's what I wrestle but, but, with. But if I you're not with that, because I agree with everything you're mm. saying, and then I'm like, well, then what am I going to do? Well, <laughs> sorry, I can see your face. No, but 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 what you can do is you can take a, like the time to make right. sure that and the work is good, and so it's kind of like going the complete other end of it. Right. Is right. it? I mean, I I think I'm doing quality work, but you can you very much inta- maintain that like a great level of consistency and be a lot more particular about it like I don't know if you have a colorist yet or anything like that but you know you can take the time to make sure you make those arrangements right, right. so no, you do I, one I always, thing but it's great right you know? that's what I'm trying to do yeah okay um, I, all right, I, I wrap these up usually by asking if punk rock heavy metal or hip hop had an influence on you anyway growing up uh, my dad leaving it <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> Um, you didn't get aggro with the heavy metal. No, you know I got into I got into metal in college and I shaved my head. I had a long like leather jacket like uh, Billy Corgan, <laughs> so I had that look I'd gone for a while. Um, but um, none of it's it's indie stuff because like alternative indie stuff. Yeah, like because um, I find that bleeds into all a lot of those genres sure, in, in, sure. in good ways. Like new wave came out of punk rock. Yeah, like sure, you know Sonic Youth. Mogwai right. Radiohead like the the stuff that kind of skirts all those levels I find most interesting because you know like I listen to a lot of metal 
but a lot of metal's crap. You know, there's some great stuff, but right. you know, a lot of it's just it's, it's like comics. There's a lot of right. the mainstream stuff is the worst example of it. You know, right, right. Um, rap. I I'm so if somebody gives me <laughs> tries to tries to give me that handshake where they you hold your fingers and pull and stuff, I, my I, my hand turns to jelly. I'm, I'm not cool enough to do that. Um, but I but I do know a lot of hip hop because because uh, I used to live with a guy who was big into his hip hop. Again, I don't know a lot of it, but I do. I wouldn't buy it and listen to right. it myself, but it was on, I would enjoy it. Um, do you have a favorite band? I think I just named them. Um, Son of Youth. Son of Youth, Fugazi, Mogwai. Fugazi. Uh, yeah, like, they would be my uh, main so guys, you know. Fugazi came out of the punk. Well, see, that's it, yes. But, so, that level of punk, I, okay. I do like. But, I mean, I haven't gone, you know, and I've, like, the, uh, the Ramones and... Right. Uh, that's just a different scene, same here. I mean, Minor Threat, I mean, that's full-on... DC hardcore yeah. and Fugazi came out of that but like I never really got into a one scene specifically right, you know right, right. The, the most I did was metal but I think that's because like my friends were into metal so I right. you know I kind of embraced it a little but I, I, I know that like I never really liked it as much as them you know and then I started finding music that just spoke to me you know stuff that just kind of gets me into a headspace yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that I like you know do you listen to music while you work? Um, yes, um, but it can't it can't be can't. lyrics anymore. I can't um, listen to music. Anymore. I can listen to music if it's instrumental. So like uh, like bands like uh, um, actually got a really good lot of good bands off Rick as well. Uh, it's just it's just music because that puts me yeah, into a headspace he and I can it. I can affect it. It puts me into a headspace and I can do stuff. But I find these days more and more I'm actually listening to documentaries and yeah, current yeah. affairs and stuff like yeah. that because it, it fills my brain with it's like especially current affairs stuff it's boring enough to not distract me right. but it's interesting enough to like to, to have to entertain right, me you right. know um, but I, I don't really listen to music much anymore but I, if I did if I wanted to spend an hour doing something I'd just yeah listen to a good good album and get through stuff but it's, it's happening less and less I've noticed you know alright good uh, is there anything you want to promote? Website, Twitter? Um, you're at Declan Shelby? Yeah, uh, just Google Declan and Comics. My name comes up. For now, I'm the only Declan drawing yeah. comics. Um, but yeah, I guess the, the Twitter is at Declan Shelby. Um, website is dshalv, D-S-H-A-L-V, um, at blogspot.com. Same with Tumblr. Um and, uh, you know, I, I do, but I, I haven't gone near it anymore. I, I think it's disgusting. Yeah, I, it's, yeah. <laughs> I hate even there. Like, uh, I think, like, yeah, I. It's an interesting thing with the social media. Like, at, at what level do you stop? And yeah. you know, they're saying the panel. There's no such thing as overexposure. But who's the time? Like, who's well, the time yeah, to update it's, it's it all? A job. You know? It's yeah. A job. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got. I'm just looking at my phone right now. I've got Twitter at Sean Crystal. I've got Facebook for me. I have a Facebook page. This is about me, Sean. Huh? This is about me, not you. <laughs> I'm just relating to you. This is my moment, David. I have Instagram, again, Sean Crystal. Tumblr, Sean Crystal. I'm now on Vine, Sean Crystal. Yeah. <clears throat> I, ju- I just got on uh, Tumblr because I, because <laughs> Jordy's like, what, four years younger than me, but she's way more in tune with like, like Tumblr's huge and it like shares, it gets stuff out there in a huge way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But my head, I haven't been able to get my head around it, you know. No, I and, and bloggers kind of like blogs aren't really the thing anymore, right, you know. Right. They were stable for a while, but like it's oh, yeah, I, I keep don't track. have a ton of success on Tumblr. Instagram seems <clears> to be <throat> taking off quick for me. Really, yeah, I like Instagram too, but that's because like if I'm working on something, yeah, I you know just desk shots. yeah, you know yeah. it's it's kind of satisfying. I guess it's 
it's kind of you're just to get some instant satisfaction from something you're working exactly. on. But you kind of need it when you're on your own. Yeah, and every <laughs> you know? day if I do a little doodle and I I put it up, I'm like, oh, I got 20 likes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a uh, it's a bit of fun. All right, well, thank you, Declan. Thank you, man. Cheers. Anything else you wanted to? Talk about or say before you cut it out? Uh, no, just um, I just wish my dad hadn't left. <laughs> <laughs> but then you wouldn't be drawing. Yeah, that's true. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> you gotta get the pain uh, now. Uh, no, thank, thanks, man. I, I always enjoy talking to you, man, because we always like kind of. Yeah, we have, we have similar minds. Me yeah. and Sean, we, we are very thirsty. Kids. And uh, it always kind of gets me geared to do more stuff again. Yeah, like, me too. Well, thanks for doing this, Dave. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, everyone. outro segment I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Declan Shalvey the charming Irishman um, I need you guys to do something I-, I need you to subscribe to this if you haven't already I need you to leave feedback on iTunes that hasn't been done in a while I, it, I feel like I was like the podcast took off leveled off maybe dipped a little and it's starting to climb back up, but I need you to help spread the word and I need you to leave feedback on iTunes for me. All that stuff reflects in the popularity of the podcast and helps me out tremendously. So please take a second to do that just now. Just go. All right, done. Good. Um, and I also need you to, or I don't need you to, but please follow me on Twitter at Sean Crystal. Please follow me on Instagram at InkPulp. On Tumblr, I am InkPulp. Um, and, and on Facebook, I have, I have a Facebook page, InkPulp. I, I post a lot about this podcast. When the episodes go live, I throw a post up. I put little photographs of the, usually of the, the people I recorded with. Um, All right, Tumblr, it looks like I'm Sean Crystal. I'm not Inkpulp. Sorry. I can't keep track of this shit. I, I think I told you this before. I would love to not have to do this, but I have to. It's, it's just, it has to be done these days. So please go to these, these sites and follow me and subscribe and leave feedback. And please let me know if you're enjoying this or not. Um, most people I hear from enjoy it. I, I do hear some negative stuff, but that's to be expected. And wh- what is going on? It, there is so much hate being spread now, and this is new. It was all maybe it was there before, but it wasn't as vocal. But where people can just go on and shit all over something uh, with like no, like they would never say this stuff to someone's face, like an artist they might not like or or a musician. You know, they just they go on and shit on stuff like worst video ever. This person should die. Where does where does this come from? It's the anonymity of the internet, and the it, how, because it's impersonal. You would never say this to people's face, and I'm trying. I know I'm guilty of this sometimes too on this podcast, but I, I try. I am trying to not do that. I mean, there's stuff I I will criticize, 
And and I stand behind that. I don't have to like everything, and neither do you. But I just don't understand the the need to post negative shit. I don't get it. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm not going to keep going on and on. That was a big intro today and a nice interview with Declan. Declan, thank you for sharing all that stuff. And uh, I'm not sure which one's next. I got a lot coming up and I'm off to this creative retreat to record a lot. And this new equipment is just so sweet. See you later. Rise above!